Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Good Thursday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, and Mark Dykton. It's one of my favorite weekends of the year with the U.S. Open. A happy early Father's Day to everybody out there as well. I'm curious your guys' thoughts on what sleeping arrangement you would rather have here, okay? So follow me here. Uh, last night, Max, a little bit of a temperature. Uh, I'm up from like 3.45 to 4.30. I probably get back down at like 5-ish, you know, barely sleep before the alarm goes off. Boom. Would you rather have the little interruption there at 3.45 to 4.30, or would you rather just organically wake up 45 minutes before the alarm? The first. Oh, I think that's a tease. That's the best, though. When you look at the clock... And you're like, oh my gosh! Like I've trust me anymore, man. I don't know if it's old age or what. I I, I wake up like every ninety minutes. Yeah, but I think all of a sudden when and, the alarm really goes off, I feel like I'm extra tired because I was about to just get into some sort of deep-ish sleep. But I again. feel like when I wake up forty five minutes early, then the whole day I'm like aware of it, and I feel like I'm chasing it. Like, you know what I mean? Like when I wake yeah. up at three forty five and I look at my watch or, or you know whatever, and I see it's three forty five. I actually wear a Fitbit, not a watch, but I have it on for that reason, so I can just see what time it is. And I'm like, oh, man, I got like a couple hours left. I'll fall back asleep. It does not bother me. Now, the 45 minutes, eventually you start punching the clock and the, uh, punching the pillow and you're racing against the clock, right? I mean, that, that's always... Sure. A, you know. See, my thing is that you're... If you get the 45 minutes early... Then you're kind of sweating, like, okay, now I don't want to oversleep. So, like, you're kind of... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You're playing with yourself there. So, like, well, that's not bad. But I would take the latter <laughs> okay. then, because okay. I would say that, you know... <laughs> I'll take the latter where I just get up early, and I'm like... I barely I'll, take I'll Mark anywhere, Jake. I'll, 702. I'll, I'll take a nap. Unbelievable. Like, it's like, Mark the chimp. <laughs> is that literally, the... Uh, literally. Is that the Syracuse orange mascot I'm seeing out there as the sun today? That looks beautiful. Do we have more, like... Canada wildfire haze. It, it did look a little weird. hazy again. Uh, driving just south of downtown, Mark. Is that where yeah. you were? You were yeah. looking. Yeah, it was like a little bit of an overcast, uh-huh. but that's sun. I mean, that is a beautiful orange sphere on this Thursday now, morning. I'd like to start the morning with. And so, Kevin, which did you go with? Did you get the? Did you get up forty five minutes earlier? You did the forty five. No, minutes? I mean, I, I, you know, was with Max about four thirty. It took me about another 15, 20 minutes to get back down. I think I got an extra. The next like half hour, but I was in a sleep when that alarm went off at the end of the half hour, yes. and I find it's just like an extra pang of tired in that my body was like trying to get back into that I mean, sleep. Having the alarm go off in the depth of your sleep is always a rough one to wake up from. I sure. hear what you're saying, Jake. Like when you roll over and it's whatever two twenty seven. And you're able just to fall right back asleep. That's great. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like when you have to get up for like long stretch, twenty minutes or more, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those days where I'm like chasing that second, third cup of coffee. So I'll start the morning with the non-sports subject of simply saying this: 
the Conrad, which is our neighbor here, this show, obviously, we broadcast from Monument Circle. The Conrad is just behind us. Um, if you happen to be in the Conrad and you, I have no idea what he does there, but Ron, R-O-N, Ron at the Conrad. Good morning and happy Thursday to Ron at the Conrad because, as I had mentioned to you yesterday, Kevin, I, every day I take Capitol down. And then there's actually a small alley. It used to be Tennessee Street that connects Capitol to Illinois. And it it spits out onto Illinois just north of Weber Grill. And that's directly across from our parking garage. So if you drive down Capitol, if you're coming from the north, and then you take a left to go down across that alley right into the garage. Literally every morning since I've done this show, I have driven that alley. And right when my car comes out to the end of the alley... Ron is on the sidewalk getting ready to cross the street like literally I usually have to wave him across and finally after however long it's been this morning I rolled my window down and said hey man what's your name he said Ron I go well Ron where do you work and he said the Conrad and I said man you're like my you're like part of my clock like if I get here and you're gone I either know that I'm too early or too late but 90% of the time when I get here like literally our clocks collide perfectly at this intersection and he goes, yeah, man, I noticed. And he said, well, hey, man, have a great day. I said, Ron, you have a great day, too. And then I waved him across, and he waved, and da-da-da. So tomorrow, when I see him, I'll be able to say, hey, Ron, Boom. good morning. Hey, Ron. There's a facilities guy that works next door that him and I share the elevator. I don't know if we're in a talking relationship. I know, I know who you're talking about. He always has a bag of donuts or fruit or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, and he parks. You know, We don't park in the exclusive downstairs <laughs> I parking. I don't know like, if we like, have like, like, like a talking does. relationship. It's very much as like, hey, hi. I'm like, okay, all right. I will just shut up and stand in the corner of the elevator, and you go right, and I'll go straight yeah. on the exactly elevator. I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, good Thursday morning to you. This is Kevin and Quarry. It's supposed to be be a pretty nice day and i think this weekend uh pretty good road america jake good weather for you guys as indycar gets back to what will be i think a busy hell what two month stretch here coming up for you yeah guys? it uh, i was just talking to nick yeoman about it yesterday road america then we go mid ohio uh then toronto so you know, that having the weeks the week gaps in between is always kind of welcomed but a couple uh, iowa races in there uh, iowa as well sorry yep uh and a fun stretch for sure beginning at road america which a lot of people ask me, they're like, hey, I've been thinking about going up. Yes, the answer is yes. If you have thought about going on the road for a weekend getaway, Road America is fantastic. Now, you do have to camp. I mean, there's not a lot of ho- hotel areas around Elkhart Lake, but the facility itself is massive. I mean, it's a four-mile track. It literally is like, I mean, it's not as hilly as Brown County State Park, but it would be like having a track in that area. Uh, it's gorgeous. There's plenty of room to camp with open space to camp. You're not like on top of one another like you probably would be at Mid-Ohio. Uh, great track. And so it'll be a lot of fun uh, race happening on Sunday. Our coverage begins at 1 o'clock coming up on Sunday. The Colts wrapped up their offseason program yesterday. This tends to be the trend around the NFL. Actually, I think the New York Jets canceled their entire mini camp here in the last week of the offseason program. Uh, Shane Steichen sent a couple big dudes back to field punts to end yesterday's practice. Fired up the jugs machine. Shout out to reserve offensive tackle Matthew Vanderslice. Talk about a great golf name. Maybe him and Adam Shank could get paired up (laughs) together at the U.S. Open. Defensive tackle Jamal Woods. 
They both caught uh, the punts out of the jugs machine and the horn blew, and that is it for the nine-week off-season program. Again, July 25th-ish is when I would expect training camp to begin at Grand Park. We should get an official training camp schedule here before the end of the month. Um, we'll get to the practice takeaways from yesterday. It was another shaky day for the passing offense. I would say the biggest news item from yesterday was a very outspoken Jonathan Taylor when you factor in how Jonathan Taylor usually reacts in front of a microphone. I think that's a key part to it. I don't think the Taylor quotes might jump off the page for a lot of people, but this was a dude that walked up to the mic yesterday and after about three minutes of random questions, once he started to get asked about his contract extension, Boy, he had the talking points ready. He looked like a dude that had just hired a new agent, and the new agent wanted him specifically to say some things. And that is exactly what happened. I was texting Mark last night. I'm like, Mark, let's go back and play some audio from Taylor back in April because his answers to the contract talks in April sound a whole lot different this time around. So find that interesting for a guy that is rather subdued usually in those media sessions. And also, Jake, as we've talked about this week, Running backs right now in the NFL, uh, how they are valued, those guys view it a whole lot differently than the league's viewing it. Do you think – here's a dumb question. Is it possible that running backs in the NFL, the view of the running back of the NFL position is different from from the outside bubble, from the media and fans, than it is internally within – like GMs of teams. Is it possible that Chris Ballard or, you know, executives of other franchises do value the running back more than we actually believe? No. I think 95% of the league values it in the same light that I think a lot of people on the outside. I mean, look at Dalvin Cook. Four straight thousand yard seasons, 27 years old, didn't miss a game last season in Minnesota. A team that you would think would be win now with Kirk Cousins says, all right, see ya. Saquon Barkley, the second overall pick from a few years ago, 1,000-yard season, just led his team to the playoffs, not because of Daniel Jones, because of Saquon Barkley, and they're having contract issues. Like, if he played any other position, right. that would be a very easy negotiation. And if it was 1988. Sure. Yeah, yeah, just turn back the clock a little bit. So, I thought some interesting comments from Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, Unfortunate news, one one rookie draft pick will not be playing this season. We'll touch on that, a torn ACL for one of their defensive backs in OTAs. And Jake, I saw that the Pacers have got a guy that you've seen play in person coming in for a workout today. Solo workout, right? Solo workout for Grady Dick out of Kansas. So Grady Dick, as I had mentioned, one game does not a player make, I realize. When I watched him, I mean, he's a really, really good shooter who has a fairly quick release, like in transition, he can hit a three. He can come off a curl and hit a three. He's a nice player, and he'll be probably similar to, and I'm not just saying this because they're both like mid-six-foot white guys that played at Kansas, probably similar to like Christian Brown for Denver. The one thing about Grady Dick that would be of concern to me, and I don't know how you necessarily gauge this in an individual workout, but he... I thought, just my assessment, and this sounds so armchair quarterback, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I noticed that there were several plays when I watched him. I went and saw Kansas play West Virginia, and I watched a decent amount of Kansas this year on television. 
And what I noticed is that when if Grady Dick had a possession where he turned it over or missed a shot, he would sulk a little bit defensively, and it would take him a while to get into the proper def- – a lot of times he was out of position defensively because he was still not shaking off what happened on the other end. That would be my one concern. But he's a very good player and I think is going to be right around where the Pacers select and does things the Pacers could use. Yeah, I would not want to see him at seven at all, Jake. I, I think that's fair. Um, but I am curious, when you talk about late lottery – you talk about the middle of round one. If guys start to fall, the Pacers are one of the few teams that have the assets to be able to try and move back up if they would like to. And do you look at it as saying, hey, we've got five picks. Why don't we just come away with two of the five picks, but make sure they're super high-quality picks? It's not like the Pacers have an abundance of free agents on their roster where a bunch of roster spots are going to open up. And in today's NBA, there's always a spot for a 6'8 elite shooter. Yeah, And that's who Grady Dick is. Now, could he guard you or me? It's probably a fair question. And one that the Pacers can't, cannot spend the seventh pick on. But I do think about, you know, Buddy Heald's shelf life, Jake, I, I think is several more years, but he is in a contract year coming up. And when you're talking about Benedict Matherin, I don't think any anybody views him as this elite shooter by any means. So I think making sure that you have shooting around him, obviously Halliburton is a great shooter, but making sure you have that, I think is important. So I'm not this, you know, oh my gosh, the Pacers can't draft a tall white dude, that you know, blah, blah, blah. No, I, I'm not there. I don't want to see him at seven. But if you can package those picks, maybe toss in a player and move back into the middle of round one and Grady Dick's still there, I wouldn't be opposed to them. He is a really good shooter. He is. Really. And he's really also good a, a streak shooter. You know what I mean? He's one of those that. And I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for, but defensively, there's still some definite questions. You know, honestly, I, I mean, this is such a dangerous. I'm talking about coming out of college. I'm not talking about as a pro player. Coming out of college, his game is probably similar to Reggie Miller. Like an off screen, pull up yeah. three, lightning in a bottle kind of guy. Same size, right? Uh, 14 points per game for Kansas last season as a freshman, 40% from three. He did have five rebounds a game. Um, So we'll have Kyle Boone coming up to round out the show today. He is an NBA draft analyst from CBS Sports. We'll get his thoughts on Grady Dick and a little bit more draft-related. James Boyd coming up at eight. He's been out at Colts minicamp with myself. Um, his takeaways from what has been a what was a very uneven couple of days from a passing offense standpoint. Uh, Scott Agnes, one week out from the Pacers draft, he joins us at eight thirty. And Jake, I am looking forward to hearing from Bob Kravitz coming up at nine. Obviously, we talked about the unfortunate news with Bob getting laid off earlier this week. I thought Bob, at least from a social media standpoint, was pretty honest in saying he's unsure of what exactly is up next for him. I thought he said he was 63. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Um, so curious if, you know, 72 hours out, if Bob has got any thoughts on what uh, what could be next for him. It's the reality of the business that we're in, any business in today's world, um, and one that you just, uh, you know, it's it's scary, but in Bob's standpoint, I, I feel for him because I know, Kevin, that there's a million things you can say to a person and all of it is very kind. And yet when you're that person, it's very good to hear. But at the same time, you're like, but that doesn't really help me. You know what I mean? Oh, I, without I, doubt. I yeah. mean, I've been there. Yeah. It's just, 
And, and you go through a wide range of emotions. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Bob's a very talented guy, for sure. And four decades is an absurd run. It's a hell of a run, spanning multiple markets. Um, so looking forward to chatting with Bob uh, coming up here in the 9 How many markets hour. can you name that Bob's worked in? I can think of three. There's one that I think is kind of overlooked and forgotten. So is it Cleveland, Denver, Indy? So I was going to say, Cleveland's the one that I think people probably forget. Yeah. Right? Is there one more? I mean, obviously, I, that's the he only, went to IU and he grew up. Yeah, I think that's oh, Sports Illustrated. Right. Yeah. National, you certainly. By the way, your athletic streak come, came to an end last night. And I think it's smart. You know, you don't want to get a little bit cocky. Um, you want to kind of leave a seed of doubt. Uh-huh. Remnants of the boycott. I think we're still lingering a little bit. When I went to bed, they were up 3-1 and they had the bases loaded. What was their attendance yesterday? I think it was Great decent question. again. I, I got a kick out of it. I saw the crowd, and it was they were all flying. They were all flying A's flags upside down. I saw several that had like the the United States flag that was like in green and yellow, which is the, I'm sure there are people that find that like offensive or whatnot, but like kind of in jest of like the mercy flag. Um, I, I mean, there was a decent crowd again yesterday, from what I could tell. And and again, all there basically to to set the protest of like, look, we're not the problem here. Uh, although it does say here the attendance was seven thousand, so maybe the video I saw was from in fact two days ago. Back to reality, seven thousand and fifty-five, fifteen percent of the stadium. Uh, I've got to ha- raise my hand. I almost spit up my water last night when I saw this Adam Schefter tweet. Did you guys catch this? I did not. You spitting up your water? I did not catch that. Well, either. yeah, thankfully. Uh, from Adam Schefter, free agent quarterback Carson Wentz has been spending time in Tampa, throwing and studying film with former NFL head coach John Gruden. Wentz wants and attends to play this season and is awaiting the right situation. I was going to say, did you see the picture of him supposedly at the Indianapolis airport waiting outside a Southwest terminal? There was a picture going around of Carson Wentz kind of hanging out. Really? No, I, I didn't. said he was going to Tampa. There you go. The, and I know Rick Venturi works a lot mm-hmm. with John Gruden down there in the Tampa area. The interesting thing about that is that Wentz, you almost forgot that Wentz is unsigned. And Kevin, he is, Carson Wentz is one of the great enigmas in sports because to, to say it quite frankly, there's something unlikable about him, but I don't know what it is. He is seemingly a nice guy. I, when I know people that that lived near him here when he was well, I think he still lives here. That have said like publicly or whatever out and about, he's a very nice person. Yeah. And several Colts teammates remain very close with him. And, and I and he's not untalented. So it's like, what is it? What is it about him? That is just a little bit of a misfire. I, I I don't know what I can't pinpoint what it is. And and my job is to opine and like find observations that make people go, Yeah, that's it, or gosh, I didn't think of that. And in this case, I have I got nothing. I think, you know, a difference between him and Andrew Luck, for example, you know, Luck was probably the smartest dude in virtually every room he walked into, but I don't think you got that and impression didn't, from him. Didn't want to be all the time? Didn't definitely did not want to be. Whereas I think once you get a little bit more of that. That could be unfair by by me, but that would be one general thought. And I say this in all seriousness about Wentz. Why not just sit out for a year? I mean, you're thirty years old. The commanders are still paying. I mean, 30 years old for a quarterback is still relatively young. The commanders are paying you a nice sum of money this season. 
I almost think, dude, just kind of sit out. The rest of the NFL, I would assume, has some sort of stigma, and rightfully so, against you, based off how the last few years have gone. I, I, when he says right situation, would you, would you bring Carson Wentz in to be your backup? Does Carson Wentz want to go in anywhere as the backup? Well, where the hell is he competing for a starting job? Well, Tampa. I would think. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty mid. Wouldn't you take Baker Mayfield over Carson Wentz? Baker Mayfield's the opposite. Baker Mayfield's a guy that, like, you feel like there's something about him that's the it factor, but you can't exactly say what it is. Carson Wentz, there's something about him that's the isn't factor, and you can't exactly say what it is. I I think with Baker Mayfield, or or with Carson Wentz, and, and I. Again, this sounds ridiculous. It's something about, like, his eyes. He just looks like, I don't know. There's just something about him. I I don't know what it is, and it's totally unfair. But there's just something about him that makes him that that makes you just always have pause about him. Well, maybe he's in Tampa to get an eye procedure then, so his narrative will change. <laughs> well, it's 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 unfair for me to say because I have like the same deep set eyes. Like there's something about him where like it looks like not everything's firing all the time. It's, but it was firing when he was almost the MVP of the yeah. NFL. I, I know. I mean, so the eyes have not fired over the last. I, but six that's years. what I mean, Kevin. Like, what is it about him that where it is dropped? I off? think the ACL derailed him. I think for the first time in his football career, he had adversity and did not react to that well. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It was pretty spoon fed for him through North Dakota, North Dakota State. I mean, it, it, he didn't have to deal with a lot. And that's, you know, this kind of gets back to the debate we had leading into the draft is you want guys that have had great success in college, but I think you also want guys that have faced some adversity in college because you know you're going to face in the NFL. You know that stuff is not going to go according to plan. How you handle that, how you react to that is a huge factor in having NFL success. Um, so, yeah, I... I Yes, we'll see where Carson Wentz ends up. I, I, again, if I were a team, I get the quarterback position is pretty desperate at times. I don't know if that's the person I'd be wanting to be my backup. And I, I guess Tampa, I, I don't know. I can't think of any other really open st- – I mean, hell, Washington, I guess, is open. So maybe they'll just bring him back. Yeah, we cut you four months ago. You want to come back and compete for the starting job here? Well, Washington's got, what, Sam Howell, right? Is that Jacoby Brissett's landing spot? Is that where he ended up? So Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz might be arm wrestling for a job. Somewhere. Well, I was kidding on the Washington part. They obviously are not going to bring. They just cut the dude. No, I, yeah, I know. The commanders have Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, Jake Fromm, and Tim Demorit as their quarterback. Sounds like Sam Howell. Sounds job. like a season ticket member that they just plucked out of the section two forty two to twenty the, years. Tim, you want to be the fourth? String? Hey, yeah, come be the fourth string QB. You know what? Carson Wentz should call Jacoby Brissett. He should call Jacoby Brissett and say, I need your advice. And Jacoby Brissett's going to say, well, I, do you need my advice on being the quarterback of the Colts? Because we've had that conversation. And Carson Wentz is going to say, no. What I need your advice on is this. I have said that I'm willing to play this year if the circumstance is right. And Jacoby Brissett, for whatever reason, every place you go turns out to be the right circumstance for you. Because literally everywhere Jacoby Brissett goes, something happens to the starting quarterback where Jacoby Brissett by default ends up being a starter for a season. And that fan base and those players, because they look at it and say that he was in a situation that was a tough one, 
he actually gets the benefit of the doubt, and despite being an average quarterback, fans are like, yeah, I like the guy. Jacoby casts a spell on the starter. <laughs> I mean, honestly. And Jacoby Brissett has the same level of probably inflated confidence in himself that Carson Wentz does, but it comes off as far more likable. Jacoby Brissett is like Carson Wentz with a PR spin. Well, he wasn't the number what one or two well, that, overall of course, pick, but that's what I mean. But he just keeps reached the heights. He keeps falling into situations that are the best situation for Jacoby Brissett. It always works out. It's like the Seinfeld episode where everything balances out. It always works out for Jacoby Brissett. You know, whether it was Carson Wentz quarterbacking the Colts in practice or Jacoby Brissett quarterbacking the Colts in practice. I- I can't recall, and and there's some context around it that we'll get into. I cannot recall back-to-back days where the passing offense has looked as bad as it has the last two days for the Colts. Uh, I believe if you combine Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew, 5 of 20 in practice. Jake, I know your math will be very quick on that. 5 of 20 is a completion percentage. Don't think that's going to get you very far. Uh, but certainly some context around it. Shane Sykin also made it clear after practice. We need to get better from a passing offense standpoint. That was evident. So we will get into that. Uh, the Jonathan Taylor contract chatter as well. That sun is looking, Mark, is it just looking beautiful? Yeah, not looking like Mars anymore, but it's it's coming out of the sky. Grady Dick for the Pacers coming in for a workout later today. One week out from the NBA draft. Uh, coming up this weekend, or I should say coming up tonight, you've got the Fever in Chicago this weekend from a viewing standpoint. You've got the Baseball State Finals on our airwaves. Uh, again, IndyCar Race at Road America. That starts our coverage at 1 o'clock, and the College World Series will get underway as well. And the United States Open in primetime all weekend long. Have I mentioned how excited I am for the U.S. Open? By the way, Shades, what are we going with, Mark? Yes. Yeah, not, huh? Yes. Okay, well, I'll just... I'll do it. Don't worry. <laughs> Jake, you might find trouble. this interesting. The U.S. Open, yes, because Sunday is Father's Day. Monday is my dad's birthday. My dad loves golf. Hell yeah. So, it, yes, cool event. They say that the property that L.A. Country Club is on is the most expensive real estate that holds a golf course in the United States. I totally believe that. Are you kidding me? In that area? They also have 36 holes on the property, so it's obviously a bigger property than just your average 18-hole track. And once you see the views of where it is in L.A., you're going to be like, how is this not zoned at some point? I know that people, and listen, spare me the politics of it all. If you go to Los Angeles, California and drive around, and traffic sucks, I realize, but but if you if you move around the Los Angeles area and you think to yourself, if you had the money, I mean, if you won the Mega Millions jackpot and you had the money to live in L.A. and do so in the fashion where the inconveniences are taken out of the equation, it would undoubtedly be the most fantastic place to live. I mean, it's 72 and sunny every day. San Diego Slight over breeze. L.A., right? I mean, San Diego as well, but L.A. also has... San Diego's weather is better, more consistently, which, I mean, again, you're talking boardwalk and park place. But L.A. just has so much more of a vibe and and energy and the beauty of it. I mean, it's pretty special. He's Jake Corey. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton with us, as always. Again, a loaded show from a guest standpoint. James Boyd from The Athletic at 8 o'clock to talk Colts. Scott Agnes, one week out from the Pacers draft at 8.30. We'll get an update on Bob Kravitz coming up at 9. And to round out the show today, some NBA draft chatter with Kyle Boone from CBS Sports. You're listening to Kevin and Corey right here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. 
The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Just lead off with it, Mark Dykton. Don't look now, but here come the Reds, folks. 7-4. That is a sweep over the uh, pesky Royals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you see Patrick Mahomes, Ellie De La Cruz, in exchange of autographed jerseys afterwards? That's uh, that's when you know that you've made it, right? That's right. He is kind of the Patrick Mahomes of baseball right now, right? Like, just different. Something about him is just different. Don't look now, but here come the Red Lakes. Thank you, Mark. You're 10-6 for your Cubs over the Pirates yep. yesterday, right? It was a nice little rally they had going. They were losing early, and then, boom, the bats woke up and... Got the win. I can't believe it's about to be Father's Day and the Cardinals are 15 games under 500. How great is that? That's beautiful. That is the smartest 15-game deficit at all of baseball. <laughs> Indianapolis Indians lose 8-1 to Iowa. Guardians shut out by the Padres. Tigers lost a couple in the doubleheader. White Sox got a W over. Did you mention the Iowa Cubs over the Indians? I did. Yeah, 8-1, right? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Two-game no, losing streak for my Diamondbacks. I'm not happy. Uh, the cute fellow yesterday also lost, so mm-hmm. still a game between I the know. two of them, right, in our race yeah. for PBR? My A's got humbled. <laughs> the A's were brought back down to earth. Brought back by the down Tampa to Bay reality. Race, uh, tonight, you've got the Fever in Chicago. They played up there, I think, a little over a week ago. It was a great game in overtime. So, second game of the week for the Fever. Uh, other thing to note on this Thursday would be the U.S. Open. Again, nothing this morning from a viewing standpoint. I want to say 10 a.m. is when things get underway, so I guess nothing right now, I should say. Uh, but good news is you get primetime all weekend long with the U.S. Open out at L.A. Country Club. So if you're looking for something from a sport viewing standpoint the next couple of nights, you will have that. Uh, on one other note from the NFL, by the way. Yesterday, leaving the field in Tampa, Baker Mayfield stopped to say hello to kicker Rodrigo Blankenship with a friendly, I still don't like you, because Georgia had beaten Oklahoma when they were in college together on a hot rod field goal. I tell the story only because, Kevin, 100% open disclaimer, I did not realize that Rodrigo Blankenship was with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Recovered from a, uh, I think he had a hip procedure, if I'm not mistaken. He's on a tryout, right? Many camp tryout. I'm sure. Isn't every kicker on a tryout? Basically, well, yeah. Uh, you know, the Colts had a couple tryout guys in there this week. Uh, from a mini camp standpoint, I believe that is um, that is the thing for Hot Rod. It, am I imagining things? Or was Chase McLaughlin down there as their new kicker? I, I thought he played well. I mean, kicking is such a mental sp- mental sport, right? I mean, literally, a kicker is kind of like kickers are like closers in baseball. Where you can have it one year and then it's yeah. gone the next. Yeah, Chase McLaughlin is Tampa's kicker. It seems like operating a kicker in the NFL is like watching something at like at the craps table. Like you got to know when to pull away from the hot streak. You know, it's very rare that you get a guy like a Vinatieri who is a long time. If it's stable. craps, you're probably looking at it like, what the hell's going on here? I, I, I'm the same way. Why are these people all standing around a table screaming and yelling and cheering and clapping and what's all the fun I'm missing out I was on? in Vegas. I put $10 down and I just watched my money sit there for like 25 <laughs> minutes and nothing happened. And I'm like, what was happening here? Well, at least it took that long before you lost it. Yeah. Do you but, understand what's going on? No. I, don't. I put my money down and I was like, okay, nothing's happening after 10 minutes and the guy's like, no, no, you can't take your money. I'm like, well, what's happening with this? Well, especially in Vegas. There. I mean, it's, it's diehards. Yeah. I was very confused. Uh, when we come back, some interesting comments Jonathan Taylor yesterday brought to the media in regards to his contract extension. We'll play some audio clips on the other side. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, 
and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, 743 here on a Thursday. Colts wrapped up their mini camp yesterday, so now it's a six-week break until training camp. Uh, Should get an official training camp schedule here in the next 10 days or so. Uh, July 25th is kind of where I'm pegging for the first day up at Grand Park right around that July 25th date. Uh, Jake, yesterday the big news exiting Colts camp was a much more vocal Jonathan Taylor than normal in regards to his contract talks. Um, You know, when we heard from Taylor in April, it was pretty vanilla from him in regards to his contract situation. Since then, what has happened? Taylor's changed agents. Shaquille Leonard's agent is his agent. Shaquille Leonard signed a very healthy contract from the Colts. Uh, Dalvin Cook has been released with two years to go on his contract. Uh, Josh Jacobs has contract questions in Vegas. Saquon Barkley has them in New York. A lot has happened at the running back position and with Taylor specifically since he last spoke to the media prior to yesterday. And he certainly feels like the ball is in the Colts' court and that he wants them to make sure they acknowledge his value. Um, I understand where Taylor's coming from, but if I'm the Colts, I would have hesitancy in getting giving him the type of contract that he probably thinks he deserves, which is, I would assume, around a handful of years, and I would assume north of $15 million a year. I'm going to... I'm going to abstain from mentioning that I think a year ago I said I was contemplating whether or not it was worth looking at seeing what you would get for Jonathan Taylor. Because it was like, no, you you have to have, I'm not saying you said this. I mean, and I get it. I mean, he's a dynamic offensive weapon. There's no doubt about it. And he has been, Kevin, everything that you'd want, right? He's been a good guy. He has not in any way, shape, or form rocked any boats whatsoever. But the it's always easy to talk about it. I think any of us get into situations in life where you think to yourself, you know, I know that that happens to a lot of people, but I don't think it's going to happen to me. You know, I, I know as a running back that a lot of running backs get into situations where, you know, hey, I was a, a really good running back and, and I was in my prime and then my team released me. And, and you know, that happens for guys our, because of our position, but I don't think it's going to happen to me. And the Cook News probably has to send some ripples across the league where all of a sudden if you're a running back in a contract year, you're like, you know what, I need to, we need to get something going here. Yeah, Mark, if you don't mind, let's start there. Let's play the clip from yesterday in regards to Taylor's impression of running backs around the league and how they're being valued. And I want to emphasize this. Jake, if it would have been Eric Ebron walking off the practice field yesterday, getting ready to talk about his contract, you would have just been waiting for the fireworks. Oh, boy. I mean, you know, Jake, you've covered so many athletes over the years. Picture an athlete that craves the mic. Jonathan Taylor is not one of them. 
And so for Taylor to kind of go as far as he went yesterday, it might not sound like a lot, but for Taylor, it is. Here was Taylor yesterday in regards to Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, some of those others. Recognize for their value? They're de- yeah, they're, they definitely are. And it, it's, it's sad. It sucks because a lot of positions, a lot of positions do a lot for their team. Um, but specifically speaking for the running back position um i can just speak firsthand we do do a lot and you just want you just want to be treated fairly um and not even treated fairly you just want to be you know appreciated for what you bring to the team it's never about yourself it's about the team so what do you bring to the team so you know just seeing guys fight you just hope that things work out for them i mean you see why guys they they request trades they they want you know, they just want to feel valued by not only their coaches, their teammates, but the organization as well. Um, and, and I think it's it's something you got to continue to do. This day and age of how players get their message across, it's not just necessarily in front of a microphone. Uh, yesterday afternoon, Jonathan Taylor liked a tweet of our colleague Stephen Holder. Stephen Holder. Uh, tweeted, did not tag Taylor in the tweet, so it looks like Taylor doing a little Shaquille Leonard searching on Twitter. Uh, the latest on the Colts running back Jonathan Taylor regarding his own contract situation as well as his strong comments on the financial state of RBs in the NFL. Uh, and then he put in a Taylor quote, you see why guys request trades. And then a link to a story, Jonathan Taylor, not an active liker of tweets on Twitter. He went out of his way to throw the like. By RBs, you mean running backs, not the roast beef place, right? Uh, well, I, I assume, yeah. I'd have to double-check with Steven to clarify. <laughs> yeah. So, two things here. Number one, is it possible? I, I just thought of this. You mentioned that Jonathan Taylor now has Shaquille Leonard's agent. That change came when? Uh, I want to say like a month ago. Okay. Is it possible that Shaquille Leonard is a noted player for going through and finding tweets about himself and liking them and whatever else? Uh, is it possible the agent's the one actually that does that? Um, like in regards to Leonard, I, I, I'm a firm believer that that is Leonard doing that on his own. I, I don't know on this Taylor one because you know that I mean that would be a consistent there for the two, especially if that's out of character for Taylor. But the other thing that I think is interesting because of the contract that Shaquille Leonard got. And probably familiarity, I could see why Jonathan Taylor, that would be the agent that he would choose. However, the the thing that is peculiar is that agent, and he did get a good deal for Shaquille Leonard. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, but, but it's possible that when you're talking about leverage, that the Colts are actually about to have leverage on Shaquille Leonard contractually. If he, for some reason, can't play or he's hurt and they've got to sit him out again, and then the Colts ultimately, in the long run, end up with having to make tough decisions there about Shaquille Leonard. I'm not saying that's where they are, but that's there's potential of that. My point being, I could see linking to an agent because he got your teammate a good deal, but at the same time... Taylor may not have the leverage of, listen, you, you want to play fair with me with this agent because, or the agent, for example, saying, you need to give me a good deal with Jonathan Taylor because I also represent Shaquille Leonard, your star, and you don't want him upset. You don't want me upset with him. And, you know, you want cohesiveness because he's a major straw what you're what you're stirring your defense with. If Shaquille Leonard has the injury issue, if there's question mark there, then all of a sudden any leverage that that agent has to work with that kind of goes out the window. And Taylor's 
almost double backed up because now he's not only playing a position that's devalued, but he's also linking to perhaps a, a, a piece of the puzzle that I'm not going to say is devalued, but is of question in terms of its value. Well, Taylor said this on several occasions yesterday, Jake, and it has to be talking points from his agent. He brought up the past precedent of Chris Ballard with these extensions. And he was right. Taylor was absolutely right. If you are a rookie contract player, and Taylor's got one more year left on that rookie contract, and you overexceed or have overexceeded your play up to that point, Chris Ballard gives you a contract extension. And it makes sense. You know, you, you reward guys you've drafted Leonard, Braden Smith, Shaquille Leonard, Quentin Nelson, Naheem Hines, all of those guys. And so, on more than one occasion yesterday, that was something that Taylor brought up of like, this organization has said that as long as you outperform in those first three to four years of your rookie contract and you also check the box off the field, which, again, Taylor's pristine in that area, then you will be rewarded. Um, now, I want to make it clear. I understand where Taylor was coming from yesterday, and I get that he was trying to vouch for himself and he's trying to carry the running back flag and all of that, but I probably more side with the Colts in this situation than having hesitancy about it. I would not be giving him a five-year deal. I would throw the franchise tag on him after letting him play out this final year of his deal. And he's still going to be hungry. It's not like he's not going to try or (laughs) not going to have a ton of motivation for it. It would give you two years to watch Taylor work with Anthony Richardson. And then you kind of reassess at that point. I don't want to see anything in the five-year length. Two to three years, okay. Um, But anything longer than that, I feel like you're getting into dangerous running back territory and it's a bit of wishful thinking there is part of me jake that does sit here and say wow kevin you're having hesitancy about paying a quality player five years down the road what the hell else is chris Boward spending the money on that's fair it's not like chris bauer needs to spend money on a quarterback anytime soon or a left tackle or a defensive end None of those contracts are coming up. It's not like he spends it in free agency. So um, I I get why the Colts have a little bit of pause, and I am just fascinated to see how the Taylor contract situation will play out, how the Michael Pittman situation will play out. Because, Jake, I think more than Nelson, Leonard, Smith, all of those other guys that signed extensions, I think these two negotiations for different reasons probably bring the most questions. For Pittman, it's like, is he a true one? For Taylor, it's... He plays the position you don't want to play in the NFL. Okay. Do you know who the Eagles' leading rusher was last year? Uh, it's got to be, well, Miles Sanders or Jalen Hurts, I'd assume. But I'd assume Miles Sanders. Just yeah. over 1,200 yards. Jalen Hurts second. Right? If I'm not mistaken, it was Kenneth Gainwell that, that played well for them in the postseason, right? Yeah, he had a nice Super Bowl. And so, if you look at, and that's the precedent, you look at Philadelphia's Offense, they're, I mean, they got nearly a thousand yards out of their running back, uh, out of their quarterback, excuse me. Obviously, you know, nearly 1,300 yards for Sanders. So a, a good performer that they, they relied on. But it was kind of other, it was kind of their other scheme that freed that up. In other words, they weren't using Sanders to free up other areas offensively. They were using the other areas offensively to free up Sanders. Well, I think the better way to look at it, Jake, is this Where's Miles Sanders now? Correct. He's not Carolina, in Philly. Right? He's not in Philly. Like it, it, that's what it comes down to. It, it's your priority pieces are the passing pieces. Mark, if you don't mind, Taylor's tone is just different 
yesterday than it was back in April. Let's start with the April comments, Mark. This was Taylor two months ago. Again, different agent. You didn't have the Barkley, Dalvin Cook um, comments or, I guess, situations play out as much as they have publicly just yet. Here was Taylor back then about his contract. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be a distraction to me. Like, I'm I'm under contract here for four years. I put the pen to the paper. So, you know, I made an obligation to them. They made an obligation to me. But things will, things will happen naturally. Like like I said, it's not until you actually get into that situation to where you're like, oh, oh let's, let's see how, how do you handle this situation. Because you always just see it, but you never know what do those guys actually go through. And then here was yesterday, Taylor on his value. Hopefully, uh, we definitely have, have approached uh, just hopefully that they can see the value. Hopefully that we can explain the value and not that it needs explanation. But we just want to be here, like I said, to help the team to help the community and and uplift the community and you know you will see where things goes but you know kind of it's kind of on them right now but you know we'll continue to work each and every single day my value exceeds strictly on the field that is perfect talking point he's not wrong i get it he had about three or four that he kept on coming back to yesterday but he's all but he is talking already about things that he brings to the table above and beyond just what a running back because he knows what he's doing right the ball is in their court you know exactly what you're doing with that comment so we haven't really seen a Colts contract situation play out like this and so again Chris Ballard loves Taylor. He loves Pittman. I think at the end of the day, they both will get extended. I don't know when that will be. I think they will. And I think they'll be Colts for Anthony Richardson's next, you know, four to five years. It's kind of on them right now, but. But how all of that plays out, I think it'll be a big storyline to keep an eye on. It is. It will be something we're, we're talking about plenty of times. There's no doubt. Two days before Father's Day now, mark the calendar. Three days before Father's Day, mark the calendar. We'll be talking about this three days before Thanksgiving, three days before Christmas. It'll be a year-long conversation. And league-wide, I think a lot of eyes are on this as well. League-wide, considering the type of player, considering the position he plays as well. All right, coming up next, James Boyd. He, we'll get his thoughts on what Jonathan Taylor had to say yesterday and also the Colts' practice in general. Again, some context around um, how poor the passing offense looked. We'll chat with James about that on the other side. Kevin and Quarry on a beautiful start to this Thursday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Eight o'clock hour underway. Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here. Kevin and Query, 93.5-1075, the fan, talking plenty about the Colts as they have wrapped up their uh, essentially their work here for another seven weeks or so. Joining us now on the Pale of Sickers Hotline, a guy that has been covering all of it. You hear him on these radio airwaves occasionally as well from the athletic James Boyd. James, I'll start with just the simple overview question of as everybody kind of goes their separate ways here for the next couple of weeks, half month and a half, whatever it might be, before they resume, uh, what jumps out at you? Aside from the obvious, I'm going to take Anthony Richardson off the board as a possible answer because we'll get to that. Um, anything else that really jumped out at you so far? I think it's how depleted everyone was health-wise by the end of minicamp. Um, it was really hard to gauge the cornerback room, especially because 
you'd imagine with situation Isaiah Rogers Sr. finds himself in, you'd like to see more from Julius Brent, Darius Rush, and Julius Brent is still recovering from wrist surgery, and then Darius Rush um, had a hamstring injury that basically knocked him out from a lot of OTAs and all of minicamp. So um, the, that group in particular is what I'm kind of keeping my eyes on and what's jumping out to me is because obviously there's more opportunity for Dallas Flowers, who's taken advantage of it, made some plays um, yesterday in minicamp, but at the same time you wonder if the culture is going to go really, really young at cornerback or try to pursue a veteran to come in, obviously, before training camp and join the team. James, when you look at Anthony Richardson's spring, um, what, if anything, has changed for you in your opinion on if he'll be the day one starter? I don't think much has changed. I do think that we saw a good glimpse of the leap he has to make and how big it is. Now, granted, him and Gardner Minshew were throwing to a lot of receivers who will not be the starting receiving core, you know, come week one if it is. Goodness gracious, but, um, you know, no Michael Pittman Jr. for OTAs and minicamp, and then there's, you know, Alec Pierce missed the day. Jelani Woods was out for pretty much the entire time. So um, these are all things that kind of hindered his development early on. But I think I pretty much where I was to begin with, I knew there would be some flash plays there. He, it seemed like every practice he had the best throw, but never really the best day, um, you know, and so – that comes with the territory when you're talking about a quarterback who just turned 21 and only started 13 games and obviously had a lot of expectations on his shoulder as being so athletic, so gifted, but still so raw. That's a really good way to put it. He would oftentimes have the best throw, but not the best day. Consistency certainly needs to improve there. My thoughts kind of quarterback related, James, and James Boyd from The Athletic. Uh, joins us here on the Payless Hickers Hotline. I'll walk away from the spring, and I think, and, and I'm glad you threw in the caveats of the personnel was rather decimated from a pass catching standpoint. For this week in particular, Shane Sykin mentioned that they really had a lot of unscripted stuff that they ran, and boy, did it look like they had a lot of unscripted stuff that they ran the last two days. But I walk away, and I think it's not like Gardner Minshew is 100 meters ahead of Anthony Richardson. Like, for me, the only reason, and again, I don't even think this should be a factor, but the only reason you would start Minshew over Richardson would be this massive, massive gap between the two guys. I don't necessarily see that. Does Richardson need to improve without question? But trust me, it's not like Minshew in particular this week set the world on fire. Yes, we're on the same page when it comes to this because to me, Anthony Richardson is not going to be a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew by week one. I don't think that's a realistic expectation you put on him. However, like you said, the gap just can't be an ocean between the two. And I think a lot of that has to do with knowledge and, you know, things as far as being able to um, notice different defensive uh, schemes and also, you know, protections and things like that. That way, when you throw him out there, he at least knows what's going on, even if he can't execute it to the highest level just yet. That's okay. My whole thing is when you put him out there, you know, is he able to obviously stay upright? You don't want him getting, you know, hit or knocked down a lot, but also he isn't panicking because he doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, he was saying he doesn't want to go out there and be that quarterback who was thrown out there just because of um, where he was picked and things like that. He was saying, you know, I don't want guys to think, why is he out there when I go out there? And so um, I think it's a huge decision whenever you do put him out there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's week one. I wouldn't be disappointed or feel like it's a failure if it's not. However, um, I would think that the sooner the better, obviously, because like you said, there wasn't some huge gap where it's just like, okay, this guy's clearly 
the better option and someone who's going to like obviously lead you to wins. I think wins are important, but obviously um, overall the most important thing for this franchise is the development of number five. James, one of the things that I find interesting, James Boyd is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. I mentioned this yesterday, but I want your perspective on it. If you look at the Rodgers situation, to go back to that, the, you know the, the leak comes out that there's an investigation involving a Colts player. That player is unidentified. The Colts at that time basically confessed their naivete towards the initial report. Isaiah Rogers then comes out and says, it's me, I'm sorry, I, I, I should have done it. And then we've heard nothing since. Did he overshow his hand? And I hate to say it that way, but like, would it have been better in his better interest to just kind of stay mum and let things, why is it taking so long for us to hear any further movement, resolution, anything on this? I think it's taken a while because you have to really vet this and make sure that, you know, what's being alleged, which Sports Handle reported that, you know, this was him betting on Colts games. You have to make sure, okay, did you bet on your team to win or lose? You know, it's obviously bad if you bet on them in any capacity because you can directly control the outcome. But if you bet on them to lose, that's a whole different thing. And I think that that's a really, really even more serious um, thing for the league. And so, um, I don't necessarily blame him for coming out and admitting some sort of guilt. Now he didn't use um, the word gambling or bets in any of his, uh, any part of his statement. However, um, I think that was just a way to perhaps, um, you know, show some remorse and, and potentially lighten whatever uh, penalty might come from this and we'll see how that goes. But I do think that if we're relying on uh, Shane Sykin to give us updates, it's not going to happen. You know, he's been, pretty uh you know stern about that and, and he's kind of just letting that process play out and i do think this though the reason why we probably won't hear anything from the Colts in particular is until the league you know um hands down a ruling and then we can become more specific in our questions because right now again it's all alleged um although isaiah rogers senior you know isn't with the team and to my knowledge he hasn't been suspended by the nfl or anything like that basically the Colts told him you know you can't come around right now so um, it's a unique situation and one that obviously I don't think many of us really saw coming. And then again, you see that some of the reports and the amount of bets and things like that, it's really concerning. And for a guy of his caliber, who isn't, you know, a 1400 yard receiver like Calvin Ridley, you wonder if he'll get a second chance in the NFL, if this comes to be true. When would you, and again, I want to, protect you by saying this this is strictly conjecture i you know i'm not asking you to have like some sort of inside info on this but if you had to guess we will know or hear some sort of information update ruling whatever it may be on this when i would say probably before training camp i don't know how long you have to investigate this if um you have all this time to do it now where it's kind of the, the low period for the nfl i know they made it sort of the um, all-year-round calendar, but this is the perfect time to really dive into that and then get a ruling out there before, obviously, all the headlines, you know, get caught up with training camp. But I could also see the NFL, and again, this is just me spitballing, I could also see the NFL holding off to release this type of news, whatever um, gets handed down, until training camp. You know, that way it gets buried, you know, in the – day-to-day Anthony Richardson updates and things like that going on not only in Indianapolis but around the league where that's just not the main story 
that's going to happen. So um, I could see it, you know, being earlier in the, in the offseason or a little bit later just because, obviously, as much as we think this is a big deal, and it is, as soon as Anthony Richardson gets back on the field for training camp, that becomes the number one story in Indy and one of the number one stories in the NFL. And that's what the NFL wants is to keep the eyes on the players who obviously are, you know, following the rules and, and, and this young player in Indianapolis who many believe could be a great player and, and it's sort of something we've never seen before. Yeah, I think for all parties involved, let's get an announcement here before the end of the month. Let's get Chris Ballard to issue a few statements on it. Shane Sykin doesn't need to be talking about it. He doesn't know Isaiah Rogers, and boom, let's just move on. And then once you get to training camp, Ballard can focus on that move-in day about topics about his team, and, and you don't have that storyline anymore. Again, James Boyd with us here from The Athletic on the Payless Slickers Hotline. James, shifting gears to yesterday and Jonathan Taylor's comments. Again, you have to, I think, factor in how Taylor usually operates in these media sessions. I mean, there was a part of me yesterday I was like, is it even worth going over there to like hearing him explain his contract situation because he's not going to get into it? And then, boom, I walk over there. I'm like, whoa. So I, I think the fact that he doesn't usually go down the path that he went down yesterday stands out. Having said that, how much do you think the presence of Anthony Richardson plays into the Jonathan Taylor contract negotiations and, I guess, the need to support your rookie quarterback? I think it's a big leverage piece for Jonathan Taylor. You know, if this was a year earlier and you were bringing a veteran quarterback and you thought you were, again, a quarterback away from being a playoff team and a Super Bowl contender, maybe you don't. Um, you know, lend your ear so much to what he wants as far as his contract. But now, with Anthony Richardson in place, again, the number one thing is his development, and obviously his development would be um, a lot better, I would assume, or a lot smoother if you have a top-five running back in your backfield and one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. So I think that helps him. I think that last season hurts him a little bit. You know, if he was coming off back-to-back, you know, 1,000-yard seasons and back-to-back, you know, Pro Bowl, All-Pro years, um, you know, it'd be hard to even question, you know, the amount of money he might be asking for. And I think the other thing that we have to consider is, you know, what is he thinking about as far as the length of the contract? That might be a sticking point there. And obviously guaranteed money is always a big thing. But, you know, if the team is saying, we'll be a three-year deal and he wants a five-year deal, then I could see why they're kind of at odds. Because as a player, you want the longer contract, you want more um, guarantees more security but as a team you want to be able to say hey we can kind of get out of this thing in three years you know when Anthony Richardson is by that time should be if he is the guy you know in his prime and then um, we can you know just basically patchwork the running back position like the other teams do who have great quarterbacks so um, we'll see how it goes I was surprised to hear him say you know uh, what was on his mind and, and what it meant for not only himself, but running backs in the NFL and how he feels that like they're devalued. And then also, you know, this is a guy who, KB, you know this, he, he says things like for the shoe in his actual interviews. And so for him to say something that real lets you know how much it means to him and how much he wants to get his message across. And I'm sure the Colts hold it, heard it loud and clear now, as with all things with contracts, it comes down to, to the money, quite frankly, money and time. Yeah, to that point, Jonathan Taylor walks into media sessions and uses Colt Horseshoe organizational talking points. Yesterday, he used new agent talking points. Absolutely. I think that uh, when I heard the quotes, I was like, yes, this is uh, dollar signs I'm seeing in my eyes. And so, um, he talked and I about, get it. 
Yes, and he talked a lot about how it's been historically rewarded here in Indianapolis, which also might help him. You know, when we last spoke to Ballard about this topic specifically back in January, he said, he was asked point blank, is it wise to pay a running back top dollar? And he did say, you know, if they're special, yes. You know, if they're a player like Jonathan Taylor, you know, he was like, I won't get into specifics with the contract, you know, but I would think a player that is special, yes. And so um, I don't know if that rubs Colts fans the wrong way, considering the running back position has kind of dwindled over the years, but also considering that JT isn't the typical good running back. He really is a great, great player, one of the best players in the NFL when he's healthy. All right, here's one for you, James. More starts in this upcoming season. Who starts more games for the Colts? Shaquille Leonard, Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson, I think, because I think that he would start likely the entire season unless something um, just doesn't click between now and training camp and preseason games and things like that. Um, I'm definitely rooting from, for Shaq and not from a fan standpoint, but as a human being. I tell fans this all the time whenever I have you know, the chance to engage with them. I've talked to a few at Buckner's camp, and they're asking for things, and I was like, hey, if there's one guy who loves the game of football more than anybody else, it's Shaq. You know? And I do think that there is a part of him who is you know, having a fight within himself not to get back out there earlier than he should. I think he's learned from the last time to kind of take his time. And again, you don't want to hear that, you know, oh, how much time is it taking? But if it does take a longer time this time, and he doesn't, you know, start right away week one, but he's, you know, himself again by week five, week six, um, it's worth it because, as we all know, Shaq is one of the best players in the NFL when he's feeling like himself. James Boyd from The Athletic. James, before we let you go, uh, I believe you are working on an Aaliyah Boston feature. Is that correct? Yeah, I got a Leah Boston thing I'm working on. Um, got some other things up my sleeve. Uh, DeForest Buckner piece um, and some other things uh, that I'll that I'll be uh, putting out here on The Athletic here soon. So excited to hang around the fever. I know people keep asking, like, why the heck do you keep going all these games? And I promise you it's not because, um, you know, I solely love women's basketball. I do love it. I enjoy the game of basketball. However, there's always uh, – a little silver lining there, a, a bit of work there as well. I don't think the athletic would, you know, uh, appreciate me just going to games and using my credential as a fan. No, I think uh, there's always a little bit of work there as well. So just stay tuned for that. It should be out hopefully sometime, um, you know, within this month or next month, just to kind of document what we're seeing, you know, here in Indy. She's a special, special talent and someone who may get overlooked because of the league and maybe not being as big or as popular, but Aaliyah Boston really is, one of the best players in the NFL, not, sorry, not NFL, WNBA, right now as a rookie, and she's uh, getting better every day. So since we don't know her yet, James, and I'm not saying you do, but if you've been around it a little bit, because I do think that she is going to be um, a dynamic athlete in this town for a long time. So if you had to to kind of give a glimpse or a preview, is Aaliyah Boston like an all-business, locked-in Hard to get to know type player, or is she a dynamic, fun personality that people are really going to like off the court as well? Give me like maybe a cult personality that she and I C O L T like the football team, a cult personality that she relates to in terms of what the vibe you get. I think there is a seriousness, but also some fun. So maybe the Zaire Franklin type, maybe not as serious you know but um there is a fine line between business and uh pleasure and she 
um, walks it just about as, any, about as good as any athlete ever, I've ever been around. And, um, again, Aaliyah's a great quote. She's also uh, one of those rare things in the media, and I kind of this is kind of nerdy on my part, but, like, when your best player is also your best quote, like a Tyrese Halliburton, for example, like Anthony Richardson would be if he becomes the best player on the Colts, um, that's always a benefit as well. So she's someone that uh, a lot of fans, you know, you think about women's basketball, how they're trying to grow the game. I mean, every city she's been in, they, they told me at the airport they're getting more buzz because of her. She's recognizable. She's approachable. And um, like I said, it looks like she's becoming a star right before our eyes. She's forced an all-star voting, and I would not be um, surprised if she gets that honor as a rookie. Pretty wild times here in this market to potentially have her, Halliburton, and Richardson from a, you know, role model stars of the respective franchises. Uh, could be a pretty special time in this market over the next five to ten years. James, enjoy a little bit of quiet time, man, before uh, camp, and thanks for uh, making time for us. Thanks for having me, man. Same to you. James Boyd right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Um one note from yesterday, Jake Daniel Scott, rookie fifth-round pick out of Cal, torn ACL. His rookie season is over. Um, I think what is extra disappointing about that one, Daniel Scott was a really unique rookie in that he turns 25 years old this year. That's old. Yeah. Really old for a rookie. You tear your ACL in year one, less than ideal. And you got to figure, you know, the... That was a position that you know that that might have been a great opportunity. Right? Yeah, safety is a little bit open. I mean, Julian Blackman, Rodney Thomas the second, I think, are your starters. We'll see about Nick Cross, the third round pick from last draft, not this past April, but the year before that. Who did they move over to nickel though at times? From well, the Blackman is who they did. They have moved around. They're right. moving him again. He's now going to be strong safety where Rodney McLeod was last year. It's really those three safeties, and then I think a lot of guesses after that. Curious your thoughts on this from Drew here, Jake. Two simple thoughts. You don't pay running backs because none of the highest paid have ever found themselves in in the Super Bowl. You pay Jonathan Taylor, guarantee it up to age 28 because he'll help sell tickets, develop Richardson, and Ballard has proven he won't spend the money to save anyways. Uh, The sell tickets part, I I get it. I mean, and I'm not trying to be poo-poo here, but like, let's be real. How many people are like, I got to go see that Jonathan Taylor play? Yeah. I, I mean. I would tend to agree with that. Running back is a pretty fungible position. So if you're winning games, people are going to go to games. And let's be real also, last year, I mean, the Colts have been abysmal for like four straight years. Have they had problems selling tickets? It's the NFL. People are going to go. Yeah, it's down a little bit, but nothing right. substantial. The, the, the last part, I, I think it's a fair one. Bauer has proven he won't spend the money elsewhere. I mean, it's, you know, Richardson is not due for a new contract next year. Bernard Ryman is not due for one next year. Quiddy Pay is not due a new contract next year, where else are you going to spend it? That That is like the, and I know it's not a ringing endorsement of paying a running back or paying Pittman, but I do kind of have this thought, Jake, of they're sitting on all this cash again this offseason. You might as well spend it somewhere. And it's not like in the next couple of years, any one of like huge significance is due some big contract extension. Uh, Coming up in a few minutes, Scott Agnes is going to join us. We are one week out from the NBA draft. Today, the Pacers have Grady Dick out of Kansas in for a solo workout. I want to say this is like the fourth or fifth solo workout. 
curious Scott's thoughts on if he thinks Grady Dick is an actual guy in play at number seven or if the Pacers are just covering their bases with this one. Uh, before that, let's hit a morning check down. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin with Major League Baseball. It was the Giants over the Cardinals 8-5 yesterday. Cubs over the Pirates 10-6. Philly over Marks Diamondbacks 4-3. But cute fella not able to extend ground in the race for PBR. Blue Jays over the Orioles in the Battle of the Birds 3-1. Reds 7-4 winners over the Royals. That is now five straight for the Reds. Go Hell ahead and yeah. say it. I want them to cool off so I can play that sound from the owner again. No, no. Play. <laughs> Don't look now. Go ahead, Mark. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. Gosh, I wish I, was, I wish I was that excited about a lot. A three-game sweep against the Royals actually counts as a game-and-a-half sweep. Uh, White Sox over the Dodgers, 8-4, and the Iowa Cubs, 8-1 winners over the Indianapolis Indians. Uh, Tonight, the Indiana Fever back in action. Just talked a little bit about that with James Boyd in Chicago to take on the sky. From an appointment television standpoint, you've got that. You've got the U.S. Open, Jordan Spieth here, Mark Dykton, John Rahm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. John Rahm's my pick. And Jay Corey, you're going down under? I am. Uh, Cameron Smith, right? And then who I said? The flowing mullet of one Cameron Smith. I I do think... I like the style of play that Cameron Smith and Jordan Spieth possess. He's a live fellow, right? He is a liver. Mm-hmm. Is this your second favorite major? This I is Masters is Yeah, one this is, question. but you know what? There is there's an element of I just love seeing these guys wilt. Mm-hmm. So there are some moments this weekend where I'm like, I might like this better than any of the other majors. Yeah, and this is a, again, I said this to Will Haskell, we had him on yesterday. I was fortunate to go to the Walker Cup at LA Country Club a handful of years ago. It is an Awesome, awesome golf course. Very unique um, from an L.A. just general geographic standpoint. Uh, not a lot of guys have seen this golf course. And I, I love the primetime. Part of me thinks the U.S. Open should do this every year. Put this thing in primetime. Put it on the West Coast. Do you think it's a good time for it? Especially Father's Day weekend. Father's Day weekend, yeah. I'm glad that you've remembered your dad's birthday. <laughs> June 19th. Same day, by the way, that Jimmy Bryan passed away in Langhorn in 1960. Dear Lord. And Lynn Bias. Lynn Bias also passed away June 19th, 1986. Thanks for bringing this segment down. <laughs> what, were you, what were you telling us off the air the other day about you're curious about some sort of burial? I'm trying to think. you got to be more you got to be more specific than that. Some sort of burial situation. Shocking. That, it's what our break talks oh. are. It's about where Jake's curious about where people are going to be buried. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a fair question, is it not? Probably so your mom not and dad to bring just, that one up. But your mom and dad are just a couple weeks apart, same age, yeah, or not only now. Let me let me say this: yes, they are a few. Well, they're a few years apart. But um, speaking of burials and my mom and dad being a few feet apart, I, so recently I was at Crown Hill and I'm driving and I'm thought, you know, it's a nice day. I'll go say hello and pay along my respects to my grandparents and i'm driving along and i see this big headstone it says query I'm like oh okay well you know it's not a totally it's a more common name than you would guess actually and years ago in the pioneer days there was a, a two cousins got drunk and got in a fight and they split into two different families so there are queries in two different areas of indiana they don't claim each other but are actually related and so anyway i i thought it was from the other side of the drunken yokels from back in the day and there it is, and boom, there's this headstone query. Lloyd and Karen. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, that's my parents. I, I, I think they're still here, so I call my mom. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Dad and I went ahead and took care of that. There's extra room. Would you like one? 
<laughs> no, I'm okay, Mom. Thanks. No, I want to be on the top of the hill. <laughs> oh, I, absolutely. Hill. The shrine's not going to be big enough. No, not at all. It's gonna oh, be, I'm telling you right It's going to look like the Peyton Manning statue. I love statue. Lisa, me. I love you too, Mom that's and Dad, exactly but I need my, more space for that's me. That's exactly what my... Did you know that? My epitaph? Uh-huh. Love yeah. me some me. Mm-hmm. Now, I yep. told you the Ann Donahue, my grandma, story about where she wanted to be buried, right? No. Uh, her favorite cult was Edron James, so she wanted burial site 32. No, that's solid. I think you did tell me that. Yeah. yeah. Marvin was the other choice, so 88. <laughs> I think she was awarded th- 32. Loved Edge. Loved the authentic- authenticity. Oh, authenticity. Thank you. Authenticity of the one and only number 32 there. So, you can gold go. Gold headstone? <laughs> exactly. Should be, right? That's what you need there. Uh, speaking of gold, we'll see if the Pacers can strike that coming up a week from tonight. That is the NBA Draft 720. 720- Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 26, 29, 32, and 50. Those are the five selections currently for the Pacers. Again, Grady Dick in for a solo workout. We'll chat with Scott Agnes about that on the other side. All right, the Pacers got another solo draft to work out today. And to chat more about that, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files joins us. Good morning, Scott. Just get him on the phone. Hold on a second. Oh. Well, thanks, uh, Kevin. I'm I'm glad to be on. I'm particularly glad to be on with Jake because we both went to North Central together, and he's kind of a legend in his own right. So you know, it's always a thrill to be on with him. A phone issue. (laughs) Can't recall Scott ever saying that, but I I do enjoy. Scott always offers a good morning, so I do think it's nice to return the favor. Uh, Do we have him, Mark? We have him. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, KB. (laughs) Genuine. Yeah, that is. Very genuine. Uh, Scott Grady-Dick, you think he's in play at seven, or is this the Pacers covering all their bases? I think it's more covering all their bases and doing their due diligence as they should and checking in with a guy who's projected to go kind of in that range. But, uh, no, I don't think he's at that spot at seven. I'm curious of this, Scott. When they do a solo workout, you know, typically, for those that don't know, during the NBA draft process, more often than not, when players come in to work out, they are partnered or paired with one or two other players. I would schedule, or I would assume, excuse me, most of that is schedule based. But is there any sort of a strategy of getting a guy on a solo workout where he's the only one you're watching? Uh, I think, I think, generally speaking, teams would prefer he's going up against somebody. Um, it's more so the agent's request that, yeah, my guy's going right in that range. I don't want someone two spots below him to come out, outperform him, and then make a jump on him. Um, so in most cases, it's, it's, it's an agent request. And then also, to your first point, it's a schedule. Maybe this guy's only doing a couple workouts. He's in in the, this part of the country you know, today, and so you know, the Pacers aren't going to round up five other guys in that in that trajectory, you know, right away, and and to be able to do that, um, and so so then it's dependent on the Pacers staff and the main guys, Gennaro Pargo, assistant coach, who's who's often the one that's challenging these guys, and they're putting them in pick and roll situations and seeing how they adapt 
offensively, defensively, the bigger guys, they're throwing lobs to them, seeing them how they finish. So I think it's a little bit more difficult, especially on the player, because you get no rest, right? You're getting all the reps. Um, so uh, the other big thing, too, is they're doing, they've done more solo workouts this year than they ever have before. So I think that's more just the way the draft's going, not specifically relatable to the Pacers. Again, Scott Agnes with us here from Fieldhouse Files, one week out from the NBA draft. Scott, this is more of a curiosity question for myself than anything, so I guess a little bit of apologies up front. Why does the NBA operate their offseason like they do with, with the draft so quickly after the season ends and then free agency follows just what a, a week later you know the NFL milks it for a couple months then they get mm-hmm. to free agency then they milk it for another month and then they get to the draft I guess you have a summer league component with that and I get the NBA season's longer than the NFL so that means you have a shorter off season but any reason why the NBA chooses to go so quickly once the finals ends it's funny, I was having this exact conversation with a friend of mine a couple days ago. They're like, can we talk about Jokic a little longer before we get into the draft and the Nuggets and all that and give them their due? And then also, let's hype up the draft for the next couple of weeks. But no, I don't know of any particular reason. I think more so, uh, much like the NFL plays once a week, the NBA is playing three or four times a week. There's more games. Or it's it's a longer season. Um but, yeah, to, to do it just one weekend I, I, is a disservice to the team that just won and of all these players who are now getting the opportunity maybe to get more hype and attention. I mean, it felt like how long were, were the quarterbacks discussed? It felt like four months Tell me about leading it. up to the draft. Like, it was it was almost too much. But, um, I, yeah, it, one thing I considered, this is the proposal I brought up, what if you pushed it all back to, to – um, Push it back a week. So at least you got another week of draft conversation. Then the draft was July 1. You know, then then free agency started, let's call it July 10th. Summer League was shortened from 10 to 7 days and was like July 20th. It was all done by the end of July. And all teams, execs, everybody still kind of got their August off because that's really the only downtime during the season, even though there's still stuff going on like the schedule announcement. Jake, uh, the quarterback drama got so long, we decided to put mayo in the coffee. Yeah, don't remind me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm aware. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the longest four-month day of my life. Hey, um, Scott, you have been covering how many NBA drafts now for the Pacers, roughly? Uh, probably 11. Okay. So during that time, I would imagine, and I don't know if the – you know, you're talking about different eras, different administrations. So I don't know how much the access to workouts or the post workouts have varied. But is there anything that you had you have been able to learn in going back after the fact and looking at the say when I don't know if you, Paul George might have been too far back, but whatever the players that they've drafted over the years where you go back and you go, you know, there was actually something that kind of jumped out at their workout where they pulled them aside or they had them do more or whatever it might be. Was there any consistent thing that that retroactively tipped the hand that that was their guy that you can factor into with the players that you have seen come through this year? And the answer may well be no. Yeah, I would generally say no. The only thing that I'm tracking that it's a terribly small sample size is last year Rick spent a lot of time after the workout 
uh, and, ta- and dealt with Benedict Matherin. Another player he did so with Jermaine Samuels, who was on their G League team this year. Uh, I saw him get his number. They brought him back for a second workout. Jermaine Samuels at the workout yesterday um, because the team's back in town, by the way, for a optional workout this week. But I'm watching to see if it becomes something where if they spend additional time with them with this new coaching staff, that that might lead to something. But I, I'm not I'm not sure I can make a conclusion out of it just yet. Um, but otherwise, unfortunately, we don't get to watch a second of the workouts. So we're really leaning on, you know, if you know, guys how they how they treat the staff afterward, and maybe they go back on the court for a few jump shots before talking to us media showering and going to lunch with the staff. Scott, I don't know if anyone qualified, and Scott Agnes with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline, covers the Pacers Fieldhouse Files. I don't think anyone necessarily qualified as this for the Colts. It was a foregone conclusion. They are going to take a quarterback wherever they ended up t- uh, drafting in the first round. But which Pacer player you think watches next Thursday's draft most nervous about what it could mean for his spot on the team moving forward? Hmm. That's a tough one because I'm my thinking here would be if there was a player to be concerned, it'd be right before the draft because he'd be included in a package of draft picks, right? Okay. Um, so, so that that's what stands out to me. Hypothetically, what I'm talking about here, right, is to do sure. your packaging 29 and 32 and a player or two and going to get a, a wing that's available on the market. Um from another team, so it would almost be before the draft. Uh, otherwise, in general, I think I would have the most concern if I was one of the one of those bigs. Daniel Tice, I think, would like to stay here, but you know, does he? And then he's about to go overseas to, with Germany to play in the World Cup. The last thing you want to do is move Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson. I would say it's probably one of those those guys. Although Chris Duarte, one of them. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, he he's an obvious name. He's a he's a guy that you know is just two years in the league, turned twenty six a couple of years ago. Um, I, I don't think I'd be number one if I were him, though. But yeah, he he would be in that conversation for sure. I think there's more the Pacers want to see from him, um, quite frankly. But it depends what the demands of another team if they're coming in and and that's what would put it over the top. At some point, you can't hesitate, and you just got to make the upgrade. Scott, do you think the Pacers, I think there's an optimism right now. There's a good feeling within the front office. Do you think they're more optimistic going into this draft about the kind of player they're going to be able to get or simply the position that they're in versus a year ago? I, I would say it's it's really both because they are, I would say, well ahead of, now I'm well ahead. They're, they're definitely ahead of schedule with a clear face of the franchise, which is important to kind of set the tone. And and this is one thing I can take away from these workouts. Tyrese Halliburton's been at basically everyone. I think he missed two because he went on um, a, a vacation that was planned previously, but then he, he drove the pace car, so he had to push it back a week. Um, but of these, like, 15 workouts, he's been at, like, all but two or three, I would say. He's at these optional um off-season workouts with the current crop of young players that are around. So that's key. I love having his influence there. And then I also think, yeah, that you, you look at where they're at right now and what they could potentially get. 
at that seven spot or around there. And, and to me, that's where it gets interesting because it does. There's a group of probably five, six players. I think that they would be very, very comfortable with. Then they know they would be additive to the team, and so I think the the only concern is, hey, there's too many picks in their hands right now, and they got to figure that out. So I think there's a little bit of pause or concern probably until that moment because they just functionally cannot draft five guys coming up in a week. Scott, non-pacer question for you. You ready? Totally out of left field. Bring it. Is Victor Oladipo done? Is Jake on the Mount Rushmore of North Central? Well, we know that. I mean, that, that's a. Uh, I mean, come on. Cradle of greatness, baby. <laughs> That's right. The cradle of greatness. That's right. It's a copyright to Jeremy Gray, by the way, just to be clear. The cradle but, uh, of greatness. We have yet to find where that greatness actually exists. Is Oladipo a free agent? No. So this is where he lucked out. He original, originally last year agreed to a one-year, I think it was $9 million uh, off-season contract. And after things shook, uh, shook out with the, the Miami Heat and, and guys they got and didn't get, they ended up making it like a two-year, $18 million deal. So he's going to get paid next year. Um, he's going to need that a lot of time to rehab. I, I, would, I would fully expect for him to, assuming he can do stuff functionally, I would expect for him to like at least get like a tryout or kind of like a – you know, we'll bring you back on a veteran minimum if if you pass a a, a tryout. But I'm hesitant. That's why it, it sounds sad. But I'm I'm talking about you know having to go through workouts because having a third major surgery to to a rare injury in a speed sport where he is so dependent on his quickness, his burst, his his abrupt stops that I'm very curious what his game looks like. It's not like he could be a Clay Thompson with a bum ankle out on the perimeter, a threat that spaces the floor and could still knock down threes at 45%. Like, it's a very different game. So I think that's my long-winded way of saying it's very concerning, certainly. And I think if you read into his Twitter posts during the offseason, you could kind of feel some of the sadness come through. It's only a matter of time, Scott, before we go to multiple nights for the draft. Yes, and that should be done, for sure. What are we waiting on, I think? Um, you, you have all these picks. Now, this one's a little unique because there's only 58 picks because a couple of them got taken away by the league for um, discipline, disciplinary actions. And so 58 picks, but there's no reason you shouldn't put the second round to another night, make night one a little bit bigger, and again, like – most franchise, or excuse me, like most leagues, and just following the NFL script, they've figured it out. Make night one all about night one, and then the rest. Um, then you can really make a showcase, and there's another TV window, and so there's more TV money. I kind of respect the NBA for not having gone down that path just yet. This might be a stupid idea, but do you think they could ever just do the lottery one night? And then save the rest of the draft. You know that would leave like a few marquee names still out there, or like, wow, this guy fell out of lottery. I don't know. I feel like if we get to round two, like ESPN would hype up, hey, where's Trace Jackson Davis going to go tonight? You know, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't have maybe the same sort of appeal. I guess, yeah, yeah. I could, t- I could see something like that. Um, to your point earlier about not stretching the season, I bet those outside the lottery really weren't even paying attention a month ago when they had the lottery drawing for who would pick where only because it was 30 minutes before a playoff game like yeah. the start of the playoff and like, they, it's dragged out a little bit like, 
What's that, Jake? It's dragged out a little bit, too, where people are just like, look, just give me the final results. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, entirely. It's yeah. a 30-minute show where you only need to watch the final yeah. six minutes. <laughs> right. Well, and then how about Denver during the middle of the finals trading for a draft pick? It's like, it, it just seems so, not that that was some, you know, massive headliner, but it just seems so odd to me. Like, the Nuggets are trying to go for their first title in NBA history, and you've got people in that organization that are having to worry about the draft. So, uh, just very, yeah, I, very like different than the deal. NFL. I like that deal. Denver, it made more sense. It, it's them capitalizing on their window here in the next couple of years versus, you What know, was the deal again? They, they got a Thunder first years. rounder? What's that? Well, what was the deal again? They got like a first rounder for the from the Thunder or something. Yeah, first rounder in exchange for you know future first and I think a couple a uh, couple seconds or something like that. It's actually something if you're on the other side of it, that's something the Pacers should be looking to get involved with. Where you know they receive a future first here, you know, five years down the road, where they give up you know twenty nine and thirty two or something like that. Um, that 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 would make things very interesting, but I just don't think if something goes down as it should, it, it probably won't be until the day before or the day of the draft once a team is very comfortable with his board and where where players are slotted in. A week from tonight, the NBA draft again: seven, twenty-six, twenty-nine, thirty-two, and fifty. Those are the five selections for now for the Indiana. Pacers. Scott, looking forward to next Thursday. We'll certainly have you on that morning, if you don't mind. And uh, have a great weekend, man. Very well. Thanks, guys. Scott Agnes, Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, did was it Bradley Beal requesting a trade yesterday? Or Saw would that. Like to leave? There I, was a rumor of a Bradley, uh, a Bradley Beal. I sound like I'm all tongue-tied here. The cradle of greatness getting to me, too. Bradley Beal, there was a rumor of a trade to Miami involving in a package that involved Tyler Hero. And picks for the Heat. Hmm. So imagine Butler, Beal, and Bam. Killer bees right there. That's the Miami had the killer bees on on a defense at one time, right? So that is um that's one where again, I don't think the Pacers necessarily need to interject themselves into every big name potential deal, but with how much flexibility the Pacers have, cap space, draft pick wise, when you know, those things get floated around, and, and could the Pacers kind of insert themselves and benefit from many of those trades? I, I think I Beal is really that. intriguing. The question is, does he then stunt Matherin if you were to get him? Uh, I mean, certainly he would take a lot of shots, but I think he'd be a... He's younger than Buddy Heald, right? I think he's a younger, more dynamic Heald. The, yeah. I mean, oh, that's... How old do you think Bradley Beal is? Um... That's a really good question. I'm going to say he can't. Uh, I'll say he's 31. Gosh, he's not much younger than Heald. Um, he is 29. Darn it. I almost thought 29. Dang it. He turns 30 in a couple of weeks, and Heald turns 31 in December. I feel like Heald is ageless. He's pretty spry. Yes, that's a good way to describe him. I feel like he's got some of that, like. I don't know. I feel like people from the Caribbean have this just spirit about them. I just think I Buddy, like Buddy Hield's got some of that as a native of the You know, Bahamas. I'm trying to remember what player it was that the, the Pacers traded. It, it may have been Granger, but 
But there was somebody they traded at one point, and after the fact, it kind of came out that it was a miscalculation because they underestimated how much that player meant inside the locker room and how much he was a glue like Orlando Johnson? It might have been. Actually, that sounds right. Orlando Johnson. I think that's right. That's exactly right, I think. And I feel like Buddy Heald's kind of that guy. Like, I think Heald is really liked in that locker room. Colts draft pick is done for the season. We'll explain more. Corresponding roster move just occurred with an Indianapolis tie. We'll touch on that before Bob Kravitz joins us in 10. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Jake, uh, I, I, I can't hear anything. anything. Well, we can... Do a hearing test for you after the show. We're gonna no, have, that's that's not the issue. You're gonna have to get that fixed before Bob Kravitz here. These are fabulous headsets, but in a few. <laughs> uh, Daniel Scott, Colts rookie, safety out of Cal, torn ACL. The end of OTAs. He is done for the season. The corresponding roster move the Colts just made. Um, Michael Tutsi. Uh, remember his dad, Jake, the Warren Central coach. Yeah, Steve. That's who that is? Yeah. Michael Tutsi, Warren Central product. Tutsi, I'm saying that right, right? I believe Tootsie, it's Tootsie. Tootsie. Like the movie, right? No, North, it is Tutsi. I think you're right. North Dakota State is where he played his football. So, boy, we're just tying it all together with Carson Wentz. Um, you got to love the resume. Part of four national titles. And he played six seasons with the COVID year at North Dakota State. A 78-8 and record. Finished his career with 56 consecutive starts. So... A little bit of a local angle here on the 90-man roster. I would assume, with the Colts doing no activities between now and the start of training camp, you would assume Michael Tutsi will get a shot at Grand Park coming up in late July. Who was the... Um, Joe Haig. Didn't he play at North Dakota Joe State? Joe Haig, yep. Let's, just, let's just use that as the North Dakota State reference from now on. Oh, no, we aren't going wins? No. Because I, I thought Joe Haig was a nice player, right? Yeah, nice Versatile, dude as well. Played well. He just got cut, I think, by the Browns. Haig. I think he would make some sense here. He was a, I mean, he was a solid rotational lineman, right? For a day three pick, he checked the box for you. Yeah, he definitely was a nice swing tackle. That role will be Blake Freeland. It looks like this year the rookie fourth round pick. They've had spin tackles since then. BYU. Yeah, yeah, that is good. That is good. Um, all right, Bob Kravitz. He joins us next. Obviously, Bob. Uh, been through a lot this week from a layoff standpoint. Uh, we'll get Bob's thoughts on that and what the future holds for a man that I know Jake and I both hold in very high regard. So Bob Kravitz on the other side here. Kevin and Quarry. All right, 9 o'clock hour here. Uh, Kevin and Quarry. Um, our next guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline, Bob Kravitz, joins us. Bob, I, I texted you earlier in the week, and I definitely want to share what I said to you here of you are someone that, honestly, probably more than any other media personality, kind of ignited a passion in me at, at, at a young age. And not to show the age gap, but you know, I distinctly remember vivid memories of running downstairs to read the sports page with my dad. 
when I was young. That was kind of our preschool ritual on a daily basis. Um, so I guess I'll start by saying thank you for igniting that passion. And without that, I don't think I would be in this position I am now. And at the same time, I absolutely hated to see the news on Monday. So apologies uh, from the layoff standpoint. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And I've heard a couple of things you guys have said in the last couple of days on air. And I appreciate you not only saying that publicly, but reaching out to me privately. Uh, so I that's that's wonderful and tells you shows what kind of human beings you guys are. Bob, let's begin with this. Um, you know, I've I've been through obviously the same you know experience here, and I and I know what it's like. But I'm curious from your standpoint. I, I think to me, you know, it's very humbling when when you lose a job. And I think that people forget. And I've said this a lot. Our jobs come with a lot of perks, a lot of advantages, and a lot of fun. But the price to pay for that is it is humbling and maybe a little bit embarrassing to lose a job publicly. You know, a guy that's an accountant, a guy that's an architect, a gal that's a teacher, they lose their job until they tell their friends and family about it. Nobody probably really knows. We lose a job and it's it's a buzz for a while. And there's a, a, a humility that comes with that. Has that been difficult for you to navigate? Not really, because I've been through it before. You know, when uh, I was at, at your station, uh, and you know they they canceled us. Um, you know, it was public. Certainly, when I was uh, at THR and lost that job, I seem to be on quite a roll lately. Um, you know, I I know I'm in a public uh, public uh, you know uh, situation and. No, I'm cool with it. The, the big thing is that uh, for 41 years plus, I've identified myself as a sports journalist, and I'm not entirely sure whether I'm going to give that up um, or continue on in some form or fashion. I, I really, people have asked me, what are you going to do? I said, right now, I'm going to go to Michigan for a couple of days with my wife and just kind of decompress and have a have a little wine and just kind of decide what the next step is going to be. Good for you. Uh, Bob Kravitz joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, how do you kind of summarize, and I don't want to act like this is the end because you just you know said that the, this is a decision that you have to make, but how would you kind of summarize the two decades that you spent covering teams in this market? Oh, it was an absolute, it was a joy for me. Um, you know, I, the, the people were great to work with, even Bill Polian. Uh, at times, and uh, I, I, you know, Indianapolis is my home. You know, I, I know I'm not a native-born Hoosier, but I think I've been accepted. And I, I think I think people appreciated the honesty, or at least the effort to be straight and honest with them. And so, the, in India's home. I, I don't plan to go anywhere. Um, so you're stuck with me for a while. And whether I get back into the writing uh, gig. Uh, <laughs> We'll find out. I don't know. I got a lot of questions to be answered here in the next couple of weeks. You know, Bob, for me, one of the things that you and I have in common, I think most people know this, but I've certainly made mention of it, so I, don't, I hope you don't mind me asking, but we've talked about it publicly, is you know, both of us have tickers that gave us a wake-up right. call. And for me, that happened during a period where I was between jobs. And mm-hmm. I was always kind of grateful for it because... 
it just gave to me this it kind of reset the deck and put everything in perspective of like what what am i worried about i mean like it it just it prioritized things if you will oh, no and doubt. it allowed me to to go through the job search in a different aspect have you experienced the same i i know that you know since the quadruple bypass um I know I slowed down some. Uh, I'm not real proud of that, but I know I slowed down some, and I think I had to. I don't think I had a choice. But, yeah, I, I you know, I just, the reason I couldn't come on at 8 o'clock is because I was doing cardio, cardiac rehab in the morning, and I've been doing that for the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I really want to take some time just for myself and, and my, my family. Um, and, and you know, put more emphasis on my health. I've been, I've been going a thousand miles an hour for a long time. I've always been a, a work hard, play hard guy. Um, I don't do that quite as much anymore, but I still have my moments. God knows. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I'm resetting with the idea that whatever I do next, it's got to fit into my plan to get healthy and stay healthy. Cause I want to stick around for a while i'm not ready to cash it in yet so um yeah it's it's a different it's a different perspective for sure bob i'll share this from matthew matthew texts and says please tell bob his dopey report card segment was one of my favorite numerous anecdotes during bad colts years made me laugh every time so the dopey report card lives on bob I appreciate that. That'll be on my epitaph someday. <laughs> when you look at, I guess, specifically this market, because, you know, Jake and I were talking earlier. I mean, Denver, Cleveland, Sports Illustrated, but just specific to us here locally, was there one story or one interview you wish you could do? Hmm. What is one interview? Um, gosh, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time talking with Peyton. Um you know, with, with you know Jermaine O'Neal and our test, or maybe just like an on the record comments from you know those particular people, or Andrew Luck, Jim Irsay, yeah, anybody that I, you would... I would. I would like to have sat down with and Seth Wickersham from Sports uh, from ESPN, excuse me, did a marvelous job with that story. But I I would have liked. I'd like to sit down over a cold beer with Andrew Luck without a without a report without a reporter's notebook or a tape recorder and just talk about what the decision that he made uh, that never was really clarified. Uh, you know, was in the Wickersham story, but I, I like to have that conversation with him because uh, he's he's a really deep, smart, funny guy, and I'd like to know more about that, but. You know, for the most part, I've done just about everything I would have wanted to do, not only here in Indianapolis, but in my career. I mean, I've covered 13 Olympic Games, countless World Series, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, the list goes on. So, you know, I I haven't left a lot on the table. Bob, which part of your career to this point, I'll say it that way, which thing when you look back are you most proud Oh, boy. You know, uh, people have been asking me that question, and I've been giving really crappy answers uh, because it's funny. When I write something, I tend to forget it pretty quickly and move on to the next one. I start panicking about what I'm going to write next. And i got to tell you, not having to worry about what I'm going to write next has been very liberating in the last uh, last two or three days. I, I'm just proud that 
first that I lasted 41 damn years, which is a hard thing to do in, the, in this or any other business. And I'm proud of the fact that, you know, um, I, I, I was always as honest as I could possibly be, uh, not only about my views on sports, but about myself. You know, I, I know that uh, I'm a grade C public figure. Um, and, you know, I've talked about, you know, my, my mental health. I've talked about the heart. I'm a freaking mess. But, you know, I, I've talked about that stuff because I think it's important for people in a public space to be uh, open and honest about that stuff. So nothing in particular. It's not like the flake gates, my, my magnum opus or anything. But uh, I've done a lot of stuff that I'm really proud of. Uh, but to pick one out is really difficult for me because uh, I just forget, to be honest. I, I think one of the things, Bob, that is a real testament to you, and I think that it's not easily achieved within our line of work. When I was a younger person and lost a job, it was hard for me because that was when I had the epiphany that I – that was when I came to the realization that there were a lot of people that I thought – you know, liked me, and then I realized, well, they actually liked the microphone I was holding, and the, re- right. the the phone calls were returned a lot less frequently, and I realized that that it's the position and not the personality that people typically follow or enjoy, and I think right. it's very difficult to transcend through that, and I and you clearly have, I, I mean, in both good and bad ways, your polarization as a writer, it was Bob Kravitz that people would comment on, not the column. Not the wording, but Bob Kravitz himself. And if what I'm saying makes sense, I say it as a broadcaster to a writer as the ultimate compliment and testament to one's work and legacy of their career. It is not easily achieved. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's funny now, you know, you talk to these young journalists and they all want to become a brand and... You know, I think you become a brand by doing good work over the course of a, a long period of time. Um, I was, I, you know, I never, I thought that I was going to be this ultimate dinosaur who would be the last true newspaper columnist. You know, uh, obviously that didn't happen. I decided to go to Channel Thirteen, uh, and, and you know, I ended up doing a little bit of TV, which is hysterical. Uh, you guys know what I look like, and I this is not a face for TV. But, um, no, I'm, I'm very proud of what I've done, and I'm, I'm proud. It's been very gratifying, honestly, the last couple of days to get the messages, private messages, public messages. I saw Tom Crean rip the athletic for letting me go, which is very nice but not necessary. But, look, the athletic is changing its business plan. You know, it, it started out wanting to be the big uh, uh, local uh, you know, they wanted to out newspaper the newspaper, and they've discovered over the years that that's really not something that's very doable uh, without spending even more money, and they're not making money yet over there. And they've decided to be more more big issue, more national, more big market. Um, and, you know, you see what's happened in the Indianapolis market. We're, we're uh, down to James Boyd, unfortunately. He's a wonderful writer and reporter, but there's not a lot of local uh there's not much local stuff to recommend it at this point bob what's the future of local journalism 
I think it's bleak as hell. You know, I think there are some great people who work at the Star. Uh, I'm a fan of their work, and, and I try to support them uh, as best I can. But you know, with, with with these big companies rolling in and with with advertising, I, I think newspapers as as a physical entity may be done within ten years and will be all online. It may happen earlier than that, but you know, with advertising. Um, and, and everything else the way it is, boy, I, it's bleak. And you see what's that? When I came to the Indianapolis Star in 2000, we had like 270 people in editorial. We're down, we're down, they're down to about 60 or 70 people now. And they're still, still fighting every day to get a decent contract. So um, I think I think outside of the New York Times, the L.A. Times, you know, the big the big kahunas i think it's gonna it's gonna be a rough road for local journalism bob last one from me and appreciate you um, sharing all this w- with us it's the wildest story interaction scoop however you want to go that you've been a part of maybe it's a better question for for a drink or two at prairie view golf course but uh, as best you can share um what, what was kind of the wildest interaction and again let's just stick to kind of your run here in this market yeah, oh, it's it's a no-brainer, Deflategate. I mean, one day I'm 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 in a, the hotel in I think Warwick, Rhode Island, you know, uh, uh, tweeting out that the 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 uh, Patriots are being investigated for possibly using deflated footballs, and a couple of weeks later, I'm on CNN with Anderson Cooper. You know, I mean, that's just, that's just not something I had on my personal bingo card. Um, so I would say that whole thing was the craziest thing. Being a persona non grata in New England was great fun. Uh, well, except when they went after my wife and kids. That, that, then it stopped being funny. But, uh, yeah, I have to say Gate. it's not my proudest moment. I mean, I, I was just kind of got lucky. Something fell in my lap, and I got it confirmed. So, yeah, it was a big scoop, and I'm proud of it. But, um, yeah, it, it's definitely – it's not what I want – to be known for in the long term but that was definitely the craziest couple of months of my life yeah i'll never forget and i didn't think anything of it at the time but i did think it was odd i remember being in the press box when ryan grixon got the call from the sidelines and yeah. and i'm thinking to myself man grixon is on the phone with the sidelines for a long time i mean usually it's just like a quick injury report hey nicole jackson's right. got a hamstring you know boom and right. And I'm thinking myself, and again, I didn't think anything of it at the time. And now looking back on it, I'm like, well, DeQuell Jackson has the interception. He takes it over to the equipment people. Equipment people inform whoever they need to. They call up to Grigson. And I assume that was the the snowball that led to, outside of the 45-7 to 7 ass-kicking, that led to Deflategate. Right. And, and, you know, it's funny. I still get emails or texts, tweets, whatever, from people saying, well, it had nothing to do with the game. I'm like, no kidding it had nothing to do with the game. They could have played with a bad mitten shuttlecock, and they would have beaten them a thousand to nothing. And it didn't make any difference. But they they were alleged to have tried to mess with the integrity of the game, and yes, cheat, out and out cheat. And the uh, the fact, you know, people are saying, well, you know, it was disproven and all this stuff. Okay, whatever. Uh, all I know is I wrote that they were being investigated by the NFL. You know what? They were being investigated by the NFL. So that was my story. I stuck to it. And, uh, you know, I guess I guess that's on the epitaph, too. 
Well, Bob, certainly enjoy Michigan. It's well-deserved. I know it's not easy, and we, we obviously wish you the best. But, Thanks, um, you know, I've got a feeling that we'll be hearing from you, you know, on, on the backside of it. But, you know, you are welcome certainly on this program anytime. Well, thank you, guys. And, again, thank you for the kind words the last couple of days. And thank you to everybody who's uh, reached out. But in the real world, uh, people don't always get a 41-year run. And, um, you know, a lot of people, and especially in the, the recent economy, have lost their jobs. So, um, you know, I'm certainly not a unique story here. But because I'm a public figure of sorts, uh, people know about it. It's a whole different deal, but I will be just fine. Relax, my Bob. Golf and pl- game, My golf game is not so good, though. Hey, I was going to say, relax and play some good golf, all right? Well, I'll relax. I don't know about the good <laughs> golf. Thanks, Bob. All right. That's Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Liquor Sideline. Tom Crean wrote, The news on Bob Kravitz not being at the Athletic anymore ranks right up there with other nonsensical decisions. I read Bob long before we came to Indiana and ever since. Bob works, he researches, he has seen countless games and events, he listens to you. I'll keep reading. That from Tom Crean. Jake, you shared this earlier in the week, and I, I guess I'll kind of double back on what I said to Bob right there at the start. I mean, for a 11, 12, 13-year-old kid having a passion for sports, what do I want to do? Vivid memories of running downstairs, open up a sports page, reading him um, with my dad in the morning. It really kind of injected this passion of now what I do for a living. And I'm so grateful to Bob for sparking that. And I thought you brought up something that was a great point. And I have seen now that I've worked with Bob, it is incredible the amount of relationships he has created, whether it is Tom Crean, Jim Mercer, Peyton Manning, I mean, endless list the of top. people in this market the top. that he has relationships with them, but yet he's not walking around telling everybody about it. Correct. He utilizes them when he needs to in his work, but he also, I think, has a genuine relationship with a lot of these people that, yes, there is a professional interest in it, but I do think there's a personal interest as well. Yeah, I, I no question about it. I mean, I think... Any of those guys you mentioned, if they felt like they needed to get a message out, I think Bob was probably the person they, quite frankly, most trusted to do it, or that, that that's where they would have turned. Peyton Manning, for certain, was was that guy. As sure. a subscriber to The Athletic, I am interested to see what happens. I mean, Zach Kiefer has moved on to now the national side of things with the NFL at The Athletic. As Bob pointed out there, James Boyd's it. And, you know, they haven't had a Pacers writer for a while. Remember, Scott Agnes was originally. Correct. Um, you know, a Pacers writer f- for The Athletic. You know, Bob was kind of brought in on this columnist role. Um, you know, when you think about Anthony Richardson and Tyrese Halliburton, I-, I would tend to think that this market could belong in the bigger market of like, hey, it might be time to invest a little bit more from a local standpoint here moving forward. Anthony Richardson, just in the few tweets that I send out about him, Jake, nothing moves a needle like an Anthony Richardson tweet, video, picture. There is some major national intrigue with him. You know, the um, the one thing that The Athletic, and this may be me, actually. I, I am the first to admit this very well could be a, a, a Jake problem. I, I don't know if anybody else has this. Problem's the wrong word, but the one frustrating thing about The Athletic to me that seemingly – I. I I don't know if they, they haven't figured it out or, or they're probably there must be a reason for it. And that is as an athletic subscriber, when they tweet out an article or there's a link to an article for the athletic, 
you have to re-log in every single time. Drives me bonkers. Do you have the app? Uh, I do have the app, yes. And even that, I would have to, I keep having to there log in. There are times where I've clicked on the link and then they send you to the app and, and it works, but there are times where I have clicked on the link via Twitter and it has made me log in. But I feel like more often than not, if you're logged in on the app, it will appear in the app as I, I as mean, a first world article. problems, I realize, yeah. right? I, I'm, I'm just saying. That and your headset. We can work on that during the break. <laughs> I can't hear anything. It's not the headset. It's the portal thing. These are nice headsets. I don't. Somebody brought in. Are these new? No, these we in? just hit them from you. These are really nice. Yeah, the, the, those are great. Yeah, they're 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 wonderful. But <laughs> mine kind of look like you know these are the headsets you would have seen in WJLE whatever your student WJL. That's your Panther Sports J- Connection yeah. eighty nine point three on your FM dial. I feel like you had Please these. Please wait at, till ten till switching. You had these at the Indiana All Star Game in nineteen eighty nine. Uh, 1990. 1990. Yeah, thank you. You know, I do have, I have an audio tape. I have I have two audio tapes from my time at, well, three, from my time at WJEL that still exist, cassette tapes. One of them is what was called a skimmer tape, which was, the skimmer tape was, it would record anytime you hit your mic on. And so, that way the teacher could listen to what you did. I actually have one of the skimmer tapes from the night that Adam Alexander and I did a radio show. Chris Love of Love Heating and Air Conditioning was in with us. So, too, was Mac Engel of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram now. And it was the night that the Reds and A's played in the World Series, and the Reds clinched, um, clinched the World Series. And we were, like, getting ready for the game, talking about how the Reds were going to win the World Series. I, whoever would have guessed that would be the last World Series title, right? The other tape that I have, I think I've mentioned this before, probably only a thousand times. Uh, one night we were doing the show, Adam Alexander and myself, and we're like, what are we going to do tonight? And I know this will shock you guys, but we didn't plan a lot. We oh. did a lot of ad lib. That's that's, that's off brand, I would Shocking. say. Shocking. Wow. Yeah. 50, year, uh, 50 years old, you're still doing the same thing. And so, Let's run through Crown Hill. <laughs> I'm like, what, what should we do tonight on the show? And Adam's like, I don't know. And Jason Venturi, Rick Venturi's son, was a musician. He had a keyboard that had uh, the sound effect of cars. So I said, well, let's just do this. Adam, me, Chris, Love, and Mac Engel will each be a turn announcer, and we'll have Jason Venturi sit with a microphone and push the car sound for two and a half hours and ad-lib a fake Indianapolis 500. And that's what we did. We sold off all the drivers. We had owners for all 33 drivers. Um, we had He had a crash sound effect. We had a terrible crash with Didier Tays. It was not a pretty situation. Uh, and Al Unser Sr. beat Rick Mears for his fifth Indy 500. And we literally, for two and a half hours, made up a race as we went along. Does not shock me at all. And now, <laughs> and 30, I still have the tape. Thirty-three years later, you're you're hearing sound effects like this from Mark Dykton. Cue one of your seventeen hundred sound oh, effects here, Mark. Well, now I don't have any ready. I have this one ready for his when the Reds won the world. Don't look now, but here come the red legs. <laughs> he's probably we've got Bobcats. We've got Mayo yeah. dropping into a uh-huh. coffee. We've got uh-huh. rare air. Got Howard Dean. We also have the sound effect that tells us it's time for a morning checkdown, right? We do. How about that? The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. You don't see me dry heaving with that. This is the mail plop. Okay. 
God, it's, that was such a great catch on the mic. It's been a while since you played that. Just horrific. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Giants over the Cardinals yesterday, 8-5. It was the Cubs over the Pittsburgh Pirates, 10-6. The Reds, though. You just Don't heard look it. now, but there here come go. the Reds. Oh, yeah. 7-4 over the Royals. That's five straight for Cincinnati, a three-game sweep. I have not looked, actually, to see where they stand in the Central. Uh, one and a half. Does that sound right? One and a half back? I mean... It's pretty legit, back right? In the central. I think that's. I don't think that's right. Is it not oh, right? It one and a half. I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. One and a half back. Pirates are. I uh, the Pirates have kind of come back to earth. Pirates are one game up on the Brewers. And the Brewers and have lost one and six in a row. And the Pirates goodness. and Brewers are getting ready to play a set together, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, Mark, your Cubs are only four and a half back. I know. Don't look Meanwhile, mad. the Cardinals eight and a half back. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks lost yesterday. They are now forty-one and twenty-seven. That puts them in the race for PBR with the Baltimore Orioles, a game and a half back because the Orioles also lost forty-two twenty-five. Forty-two and twenty-five is now their record. Still plenty of time left in the season. Still plenty of time. Do you guys? Nobody commented on my shirt today. Do you like the shirt? Oh, I do like it. I actually do like it. Does he have the bat in his hand, or is it just the head That's of the bird? Just the, it's okay. just a cute fellow. Because well, I saw the spring you know training facility right there? for him, and I, they have the bat. Hey. Root for me. That's what the Orioles. We are a few minutes away from the 123rd United States Open to get underway from L.A. Country Club. A better chance Phil Mickelson makes the cut or Brooks Kepka finishes top three? Oh, Kepka top three. Mark? I mean, Mickelson will make the cut, but... Uh, yeah, Kepka. The elusive major for the Southern Californian Phil Mickelson. This is the one that he has not captured in his career. Uh, obviously, what he did at the Masters pretty darn impressive. That would be as shocking as things have been in the golf world over the last ten days. Phil Mickelson on the leaderboard on Sunday might top it all. Well, th- Phil Mickelson finishing second in the Masters, you wouldn't even know what he played because they barely talked about right. it. Right, and it was kind of a backdoor second. You yeah. know, you shoot sixty four on Sunday and you come from behind. I mean, think about it. Phil Mickelson at the U.S. Open, I think it's six runner ups in his history. I mean, he has been so close to winning this major. Uh, boy. <laughs> I can't even imagine if that would happen on Sunday. Uh, other items tonight, the Fever back in action there in Chicago to take on the Chicago Sky. Uh, coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Kyle Boone. That's I CBS. believe that's the best name they could come up with. And what's the, the affiliation with Bulls? Because w- wasn't that the original thing where like the NBA, WNBA nicknames had a, yeah, like, like some the, sort of a similarity? Yeah, correct. Although the Fever didn't necessarily with the Pacers, sure. but... Uh, yeah, I mean, is it the is it what is it like the the Sky Bridge? Because it's, it's just because the, the Windy City. So I don't know Chicago Sky. I don't know because the the Windy the Bulls G G League affiliate is the Windy City Bulls. So oh, it is. Yeah. Do you know why it's called the Windy City? Yeah, because there's a lot of hot air for politics. That's exactly right. I know. Congratulations. I know some things. Most people believe it's because of the wind in the lake. That, my friend, False. is a misnomer. <laughs> Mark Dykton all over it. That was soaking impressive. in the education. It's impressive there. Uh, pop quiz next, right? Pop yeah. quiz is next. Kyle Boone, CBS Sports Talk, NBA Draft. We'll round out the show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Shh. 
Shout out to Covenant Christian. Emily would like a shout out as they are in the state finals this weekend. Uh, Ileana Christian, am I saying that school right, Scotty? Yep, that's, that's correct. That's the two-way matchup. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that school that's the Christian school on the border between Indiana and Illinois, right? right. I go past yeah. that school every time I go up and back from my house. You know they're house. rival, don't you? What? Michiana Christian. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. What? That was awful. Andrean and Silver Creek in 3A, the 1A and 4A games on Saturday. You've got LCC taking on Bar Reeve. That'll be Lafayette Central Catholic and Penn and Center Grove. We will have three of those four games on our airwaves coming up Friday and Saturday. Uh, Jake, right now it is time for a pop quiz. 317-239-1070 on that. Yesterday I thought it was impossible. Today I think it's manageable. Well, it was particularly hard yesterday when you didn't have proper cell service, right? Oh, I forgot about Kristen. She made it, though. Kristen she sent us a picture from the beverage okay. cart at Holiday Farms. <laughs> that is right. Yep. Everything's okay. All's right in the world. I believe her exact quote was, the cell service near the farm sucks. <laughs> but I'm okay. Uh, uh, going with number three. Mark. Trey. Well, that's, that's fitting that. for number three, is it not? you guys plan that? Boom, baby. Hey, Trey. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you, Trey? Doing well. How are you? On a 1 to 10 scale, how would you assess your jump shot? I'd give it a 7.5. Oh, oh, okay. Nice. Now, now, Trey, are you the son of a junior? I'm not. I'm just Trey. So you're not the third? Nope. Okay. Ken Griffey Jr.'s son was named Trey Griffey. You remember him, the football player? Played for the Colts for a quick minute. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We, we actually... Me and Trey Griffey actually have the same birthday. Believe Look it or not. at this. Wow. There has to be a third, right? January 3rd. Sure is. Oh, my gosh. Stop. January 3rd is Jay Edwards' birthday, by the way, which may or may not have been the birthday of my fake ID, but um, <laughs> <laughs> as a result of that. But I'm just saying. If, this if, is off to a if two tray, start. If two Trey's share a birthday, there's got to be a third, is all I'm saying. Uh, Trey, would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off with question number one, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off today? I'll take my former co-worker, Kevin Bowen. Ooh, Trey, I like it here. All right. One for Brownstown Central here, Trey. The U.S. Open gets underway today at L.A. Country Club. The defending champ is an Englishman. Is it John Rahm, Matt Fitzpatrick, Scotty Scheffler, or Bryson DeChambeau? Matt Fitzpatrick. Question number two for you, Trey. The Kansas City Royals currently have the worst record in Major League Baseball at 18-50. and 50. But who has the worst record in the National League? Is it the Nationals, the Rockies, the Mets, or the Cardinals? The Nationals. Okay. Number three here, Trey. You sure about that for two, by the way? No. I'll take the Cardinals. I don't like them. Hands raised in studio to that one. Number three here, the Pirates lost to the Cubs last night at Wrigley, but Andrew McCutcheon led off the game with a home run for Pittsburgh. That was McCutcheon's 10th career leadoff homer as a Pirate. Who has the most career leadoff home runs for the Pirates? Is it A, McCutcheon, B, Barry Bonds, C, Adam Frazier, or D, Al Martin? Barry Bonds. Okay, question four. Jose Berrios threw seven and two-thirds shutout innings as the Blue Jays beat the cute fellow Orioles last night. He is now 10-0 in his career against the Orioles, which is tied for the third most wins without a loss against a single opponent. Who holds the record? So this is the best record for a pitcher against a particular specific franchise. Is it Clayton Kershaw, Roy Oswalt, Randy Johnson, or Bill Gullickson? Bill Gullickson. 
show's uh, over at 10. I know. thought Trey might have hit that farm service. <laughs> no. Uh, let's go with Kershaw. I have no idea. All right, number five here, Trey. 95 years ago today, Ty Cobb stole home for the 54th and final time in his career. The 54 steals of home is 21 more than Hall of Famer Max Carey, who is second on the list with 33. Which of the following major, major leaguers did not have 10 steals of home in his major league career? A, Ricky Henderson, B, Donnie Bush, C, Babe Ruth, or D, Lou Gehrig? Imagine the freight train of Babe Ruth coming down. This is a stunning I I don't know if I believe this. I'm going to say Ricky Henderson. Babe Ruth barreling down the third baseline into the catcher. (laughs) The master thief. Are you sure about that, Scotty? Uh, by the way, Trey, hope all is well, man. Trey, nice job. Matt Fitzpatrick was correct. <laughs> St. Louis Cardinals correct. A-D-D-A-I. <laughs> a die, a die, a die. Barry Bonds was correct. Ricky Henderson was correct. And here we have four of them? I know. Considering the question was about Barrios being 10-0 and against the Orioles, it actually was another pitcher known for... Um, hitting really, birds? Yeah, hitting birds. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Johnson, who my understanding is hates when people reference that. 13-0 against the Cubs. You the don't get to come back tomorrow. Right. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete... We will talk NBA draft next. All right. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Let's head to the Payload Slickers Hotline to round things out today. We've got Kyle Boone joining us from CBS Sports one week out from the NBA draft and obviously the Pacers with five picks. A whole lot they can do here between now and Thursday uh, and to get more on the draft. Kyle joins us now on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Kyle, the Pacers got Grady Dick in for a solo workout here on this Thursday. Uh, Your thoughts on the Kansas wing? Yeah, I love Grady Dick's game. Um, love the range in which he's going to go, which should be, I think, starting around six in this draft. So, um, you know, I don't know necessarily if he's maybe the best fit for for the Pacers. If you're picking at number seven, he, he probably wouldn't be my first selection. But makes a lot of sense. He's you know six foot eight. He's one of the best spot up shooters in in this draft class. He's a really good transition player. He's really athletic. Um, he's a winner. I mean, this guy has, has won at every single level. So checks a lot of boxes. Love Grady Dick's game. Um, when I, when I kind of check around the, the industry, I think people clearly think that he's a top 12 prospect in this class. So uh, for Indiana to bring him in, uh, to at least kick the tires and see what he looks like in person, I think is, uh, is a big deal. Uh, they'll, they'll obviously be cycling in a lot of players leading up to the draft. But uh, Grady Dick is one definitely to keep an eye on. Uh, as we approach next week's draft. When you look at Indiana's need, Kyle, and the reality is that I do think the Pacers now are in position to go with the player that best suits their need as opposed to just strictly best player available. And their need, realistically, probably is a wing defender 
that you know can give you some scoring, but I think defensively speaking and just tenacity is probably their biggest need. Yeah. What player most who will be the best player available at seven that fits that criteria? Yeah, I mean, like the truth is, pretty much every NBA team wants that exact archetype, so it does make it a little bit tough. I feel like players in general who are wings who can defend. Um, and, and bring intangibles are so, so valuable right now. But to your point, I think, I think you're absolutely right. The Pacers um, should be prioritizing that. There's a couple that I think I would keep an eye on if, if that is indeed the direction that they go. The first is Anthony Black from, from Arkansas. He wasn't even the highest-rated signee uh, from Arkansas last season. That was Nick Smith Jr., his teammate, um, but has really emerged, I think, as a, as a top-ten prospect in this class. He's when you think of Anthony Black, you think of like a connector type of piece. You know, he's six foot seven, uh, two hundred plus pounds. He's a really good defensive prospect. He's very selfless with the basketball. In many ways, reminds me a lot of Tyree Talliburton. Now, the big question with Anthony Black is, can he shoot? Because the answer so far is like, no. He he's not a very good shooter, but he's still just a teenager. Um, you know, character wise, seems to check out. A lot of people really love him. As, as kind of a player and as a person. And the work ethic has always been there. This is a guy who, you know, really did not focus solely on basketball until later in his career. So there's a lot of optimism around Anthony Black and, and, and some momentum that he will go inside the top eight. He would make a lot of sense, I think, for me, for the Pacers, if he is still on the board there. Um, another one I'll mention here is Taylor Hendricks from UCF. And you think Taylor Hendricks, you think of kind of like a power forward, and I think he is more of a power forward than a, than a small forward, but he's six foot nine. He's very, very long, can create off the dribble uh, in, in many ways, can space the floor. It just checks a lot of boxes for like kind of a jumbo wing who can defend at a really, really high level. He can shoot it at a high level and a lot of untapped potential, a lot of athleticism, a lot of talent. So, uh, Hendricks to me, I think is one to keep an eye on it. And you think of like UCF players, someone who's you know not necessarily from a major five conference, but he has absolutely risen up boards, and I think will end up going top ten. Should be in the mix, I think, for the Pacers. Kyle, along with Hendricks, a guy that I've told Pacers fans, I think if they walk away from number seven come Thursday night, a week from tonight. Uh, with this selection they should be pleased with would be Jairus Walker. Defense and rebounding have been such an issue for this franchise over the last few years. You would think Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, you know, pair together, you know, make up a really nice backcourt moving forward. Um, what are your opinions on Jairus Walker out of Houston? Love him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be available, but if he's there, at really, seven, man, I, I, I do, I do think he goes before seven. Okay, uh, but if he's if he's there at seven, I think it would be a great selection. The Walker's, you know, he's as as you mentioned, he's a really dynamic, energetic presence. He feels like a lot like a glue guy who's, you know, six foot seven, six foot eight, which feels a little bit undersized for a power forward, but. This dude plays like he's six foot eleven, two hundred and eighty pounds. I mean, he's he's one of the most complete, I think, physically mature prospects in this class. And um, you know, he's he's a guy who played a little bit on and off the ball as a high school prospect. Went to Houston last season for a veteran team, and um, <clears throat> really kind of took a back seat as as kind of a guy who could who could do a lot of different things playing inside. He could space the floor. He's a great three point shooter. Lots of untapped potential as, as kind of a creative presence as well. And, you know, it does seem like Indiana has, you know, in, in recent years kind of prioritized 
getting guys with high character who, who can play kind of selfless basketball. Uh, Jarris Walker is a guy who I think checks those boxes. He, he is he is someone that is very affable, someone who likes who people like to be around. Um, and I think he's someone who you would like to build around in, in terms of your franchise long term. So I, I, I do end up thinking that he's going to go somewhere around like five, six, or seven. Um, my my guess is it's closer to five than it is to seven. But yeah, if he slips to to the to the Pacers there, I think that would be a fantastic selection. It's Kyle Boone from CBS Sports covering the NBA draft. He joins us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Kyle, obviously a lot of Indiana Hoosier fans paying attention to uh, a week from tonight with the draft. Better chance Jalen hood Shafino goes in the first 12 picks or Trace Jackson Davis goes in the first round? Oh, man, you're talking the wrong person because I think, I think both is going to happen. I think Jalen okay. hood Shafino goes in the top 12, and I think Trace Jackson Davis – goes in the first round. I mean, Hood Shafino has gotten a lot of steam from what I've heard in, in recent weeks. I mean, he's a, he's a combo guard who can create. He has a, a really dynamic scoring skill set, can create and, and play multiple guard positions. Um, there's a lot of interest in him right now, Jalen Hood Shafino. And, and, and 12 is, is kind of the magic number that I keep hearing, Like he could go as high as 12. Um, and somewhere in like the 12 to probably 17 or 18 range. Uh, the Lakers are picking at 17, Miami at 18. But I think both of those uh, destinations would, would make a lot of sense. Jackson Davis is someone who, you know, I've been higher on throughout the NBA draft process. And I think in general, if you look at his prospect profile, you look at his shooting and it's like, well, he's a, he's a dominant big man. He's, he's really good at rebounding, but he doesn't shoot the three. And I think the truth is he can shoot the three and he has really good shooting mechanics and there's optimism that his shot will project to the NBA level. He just never did it at Indiana. So when I talk to scouts about, you know, kind of projecting his game, they feel confident that in time he will develop into a three-point shooter, at least be a confident floor spacer. Um, And if you have Trace Jackson Davis, who has been consistently one of the most productive players in college basketball the last few years, and he's also a three-point shooter. I think it, to me, is is a clear first-round talent. So, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll parlay both of my bets there. I, I think J- Jalen Hutchinson ends up going inside the top twelve, and Jackson Davis goes in the first round. So, kind of the same question, and maybe you touched on it a little bit there, Kyle. But of those two, which one has most helped himself through the process since playing their last game at Indiana? Yeah, I think it's probably Hutchinson. Is it the the body size for Hood Shafino to me is just what's so unique about him, right? He has kind of a like a George Hill type feel, where like he can kind of do a little of both. Really good. He had some some great games. He had some some flash games, uh, but he wasn't you know consistently like one of the best players in college basketball. There were times last season where he was great. You know, he dropped thirty five points on the road to to help take down you know a, a top five Purdue team at the time and that was like a kind of an introductory moment where it's like okay this guy this guy actually could be something special but it was it was really the Trace Jackson Davis show and then sometimes it was Jalen Hochefino so I think for Hochefino during this pre-draft process it's been about showing what he can what he can do consistently um, what his what his uh, game is going to be at the next level can the shot kind of translate because he was around 33% last season. So if, if he's going to be, you know, a starting lead guard in the NBA, you want him to, to have like a bankable skill set, right? He's, he, he does it all, but he doesn't do one thing necessarily at an elite level. 
Um, but, you know, the flashes are there. So I think during this process, Coach Shafino has gone from, you know, he could be taken in the 20s, uh, you know, late first round to I think there's real momentum that he goes inside the lottery. So it, is, it has been, I think, a, a good pre-draft process for both Jackson Davis and Hood Shafino. Uh, but Hood Shafino, I think, has, has really emerged and, and kind of uh, taken a reign into kind of his own tier of this draft. Kyle, we'll end with this. Um, at number two, Charlotte, you Brandon Miller or you Scoot Henderson? Give me Scoot, baby. Give me Scoot. I, I think people people like the idea of Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball just because they think, you know, it's a good fit. You can get someone who can play off of LaMelo Ball, but I don't think you can have enough sharp-minded ball handlers in your in your NBA franchise. And Scoot Henderson is sharp-minded. He's a great ball handler. I think he can play off on and off the ball. Um, Scoot, to me, is, is the second-best prospect in this class. And I think if you're the Hornets, you you don't really have the luxury of picking fit right now. You have to take the best player available. To me, that is Scoot Henderson in this class. Do you think that Charlotte sees it that way? I don't. I don't. My guess is my guess is that they end up just staying put and selecting Brandon Miller. I don't think it's necessarily wrong. And if they have conviction, they believe that Brandon Miller is the better prospect than Scoot Henderson. Then by all means, um, just based off you know my scouting and, and what I've seen, I, I personally prefer Scoot to Brandon Miller. But um, we can look up in a few years, and Brandon Miller is the better player than Scoot Henderson. It wouldn't be totally surprising. Again, Kyle Boone. That is Kyle the Boone on Twitter. Is that an ode to Ohio State, Kyle? Your Twitter? Hey, no comment here. No comment here. You're talking to an Oklahoma State guy here. Oh, so. okay. Uh, hell of a men's golf program. Have at, you ever been to Eskimo Joe's Jumpin' Little Juke Joint? You better believe I have. That's right. <laughs> I've only seen the t-shirts. Kyle They're sounds everywhere. like he's closed down the joint a time <laughs> right. or two. That's right. Hell yeah. Right. yeah. Him and Marcus Smart have closed it down <laughs> back right. in the day. Uh, Kyle, okay, great stuff, man. Appreciate you hopping on with us. We're looking forward to next Thursday, and thanks for provi- providing some insight. You got it. Appreciate you guys. That's Kyle Boone. Kyle the Boone on Twitter. Give that name one more time. Eskimo what? Eskimo Joe's ju- uh, Jump a Little Juke Joint. What's the appeal outside of the wild name? I, I think it's like the ca- the Kilroys of Oklahoma State or the Harrys of Oklahoma State, but they had brilliant marketing in the mid-90s and started making T-shirts, and it became a thing. Like, if you went to Oklahoma, you had to get a T-shirt from Stillwater. I feel like Oklahoma State with T. Boone Pickens, like, is he, like, the most iconic booster across? I think that's probably why he has the Boone on there, right? As opposed to Ah, T. Boone. Ah, great call. Great call. I didn't even put that together. But yes, he's T. Boone Pickens was like, you know what? I went to OSU and now I'm loaded, so I'm going to make sure that my school becomes an athletic power. Yeah. And in football, it's worked out for him. Yeah, that is certainly true. Again, a week from tonight, picks 7, 26, 29, 32, and 50 for the Pacers. Jake, I'll set that over under at two and a half selections for Indiana. Where are you going on that? Over under at two and a half. I'll go over. So they draft at least three players. I'll go over. A week from tonight. From a viewing standpoint tonight, again, the fever up in Chicago. Taking on the Chicago sky. The U.S. Open about to get underway, but a lot of viewing in prime time all the each of the next four days. Thank you to James Boyd, Scott Agnes, Bob Kravitz, and Kyle Boone. Have a great Thursday, everybody.